Hello and welcome one and all to the July 29th, 2020 episode of Weekly Manga Recap, where we don't have any manga to recap, Chris. Mm-mm. Nope, mm-hmm. none. Uh, certainly no Spy Family. Certainly nope, no none. Eden Zero. Nope, nope. didn't happen. C- certainly no uh, two chapters of Ghost Reaper Girl. We haven't even talked about that one yet because it hasn't, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It no, it's, it's, uh, it's like, Chris, if you exist on a single plane of existence. If if things don't fall within that plane, then they don't exist. So that's how my upbringing has generally led me to believe things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, if I can't recognize it as reality, that's right. Doesn't doesn't exist. Yeah. It, it's not a matter of us needing to open our eyes or anything like that. It's uh, it's that they they're, they're not real. So. All these people being like, Pluto's a planet. No, it's not. I'm like, Pluto doesn't even exist. You're making up no, nonsense. The I, only Pluto is the dog that I've seen with my eyes in the cartoons. That's right. That's a real Pluto. That's mm-hmm. one that uh, I've seen. I've heard. I've even tasted. I can't tell you how, but I have. Yeah. Uh, Things get crazy down in Florida. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, on the other hand, it's like, oh, it's you can't even see Pluto with the telescope. Bullshit. And anyway, I've never seen the horizon, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna. That's right. We're gonna join one. However many hundreds of conspiracy podcasts there are out in the fucking world. You know what I've uh, always said, Nick. My favorite musician is Bob, and my favorite wrestler is AJ Styles. And what do those two guys have in common? Charisma. Uh, think that, also, think the that, Earth is flat. They. They. they not all, Chris. I don't, they don't think the Earth is flat. They just think that there's some some interesting ideas, okay? <laughs> so don't mischaracterize me just because I talk incessantly about it and in a way that sounds very positive and like I'm willing to buy into it. <laughs> like I'm kind of just looking for a reason to jump full in on it. It is kind of funny that basically... <laughs> In trying to defend himself, the guy basically admitted that he goes around the locker room trying to find other people who believe the same things he does, and if and he fails at it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think there's some interesting ideas? No, go away. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, wait, damn it. You're the, like one of the best wrestlers in the world. I can't tell you to go away. <laughs> David, without you, our superstar power is cut in half. <laughs> oh, especially in this day and age. Yeah. Well, guys, because we don't have a lot of our regular manga to talk about, there were, you know, a few options for things we could do to just kind of fill the time this week. And we decided, you know what, let's just do a, let's do a Q&A episode. There's still quite a few questions that you guys have uh, have kindly sent in for us, curious to get our opinions on or to see what kind of crazy, weird answers we can come up with. And uh, so we still have several of those to work to work through. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just listening to this now and you hadn't realized that we occasionally do answer questions uh, on Week Manga Recap on special occasions. Keep in mind that you can always check out uh, our Discord server where you can go on there and go on the Google Doc and ask questions there. Or you can also email them to us, weeklymangarecap at yahoo.com. And uh, yeah, so let's go through our backlog of yeah. uh, questions. So you're going to be reading from the emails and yes. I'll be pulling from the uh, spreadsheet then. So we'll will be a balance between the two of them. Right on. Okay. Uh, who should start? Uh, I'll start. I have one right here. 
Uh, okay. This is from Bass Forever, who says, with so many anime and manga series getting sequels or sequels later years later, like Dragon Ball, Nejima, and Rurouni Kenshin, along with sub-series getting instant sequels like Naruto, what classic popular manga would you most like to see get a sequel or continuation? And would you want the original creator to come back writing it like in Kenshin or Nejima or acting as more of an idea person like in Dragon Ball and Naruto? Classic series. Hmm. Uh, I feel as though, honest, I, I'm, and I'm being 100% honest here, I always feel that you could probably do more Sailor Moon stuff. Like, mm. it's, I mean, it's it's basically, you know, a shoujo sentai series, and those are very easy to mine for new stuff. Uh, you could just do, you know, something along the lines of, like, uh, you know, what Madoka did, and just be like, hey, there, here are some other magical girls that were around at the same time, uh, that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be all the same characters. You could have it be... Very similar to how, you know, every season of uh, Super Sentai uh, reboots and just has a new cast with a new gimmick and stuff. You could easily do that with, you know, a new team of uh, Sailor Senshi. Um, yeah. Beyond that, uh, there's also always room for more Dragon Ball, it seems like. <laughs> uh, but that exists anyway. Yeah, so. I would be and I don't mean this with irony. I would be kind of interested to see a Bleach sequel. Because I feel like there's a lot in that universe you could still explore. When you think about it, Bleach ran for what, like 12 years, 13 years, something like that? 15 and years, I think. 15. And uh, never really explored any like kind of group or anything beyond Soul Reapers, Hollows, and Quincy. I mean, there was, I guess, Fullbringers for a little bit, but it feels like there's still a lot of room for that. Uh, but, and, and I think like a sequel series could be interesting. But I do feel like you couldn't do a Bleach sequel series without Kubo. I feel like he's more intrinsically necessary for for Bleach in my mind than necessarily like Toriyama is for Dragon Ball or uh, Kishimoto is for Naruto. Because I, I, I feel like if you just got like a competent writer to write Bleach, it just wouldn't be the same thing. <laughs> Like, I needed to be as off-the-wall as bonkers and an excuse to just draw as many characters on as possible. I mean, you could have him do what... Uh, um, oh, fuck. I forgot his name. Uh, what they did with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! And just, and just the creator occasionally just like, I drew this! This is the main yeah. character for the next show! <laughs> and they took that and then they basically, you know, came up with everything else because uh, he he's been involved in, like, every Yu-Gi-Oh! series to some degree or, or another uh for quite a while uh sometimes you know he just like draws a card and they make it a card and it's like yeah. hey check out who this was drawn by and stuff like that so i do think that you could do that with bleach and just have kuba what he does best which is just like i made a weird character design working into the series and it's like, okay There's, uh, yeah i think i could make that work yeah. all right good question bass also Base. hunter hunter because you know whatever happened to that uh, series and i just don't know i don't even know what you're referring to nick that's a series that doesn't exist it ended after the, <laughs> it ended after the camarion arc didn't it <laughs> it doesn't exist dark continent what the hell are you talking about <laughs> it's left our plane of existence it returns like a comet mm -hmm. every two every 10 years mm -hmm. <laughs> you're gonna see it once in your lifetime so you better appreciate it then because you may not see it again until you're all old <laughs> Oh, it seems. All right. We've got uh, a couple questions here from Paperclip uh, via email. 
what are your opinions on crossover manga series or have you even come across any for that matter? Uh, crossover manga tend to be kind of limited things, uh, just like a, you know, a special like one off chapter that one of the creators does that happens to include, you know, characters from another series or a character from their series appearing in the world of the series that they're crossing over into and stuff. Uh, generally speaking, it seems to be series that are kind of, um, similar in tone or style. Uh, although I'm not sure how similar in tone and style Nisekoi and Haikyuu are, and they crossed over <laughs> once. Uh, I guess it's more eye candy for two different audiences than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I know that We Never Learn crossed over with, uh, uh, you know, the Haunted Hot Springs, Yuragiso no Yuna-san, uh, which makes sense because there's weird uh, fan service in both of those series, although Yuna's very into the fan service, so... Um, and, you know, I, I think that honestly, like there's usually not a lot you can do with crossover manga other than, oh, this was a nice little treat. Yeah. Uh, there was the big three way crossover uh, that the One Piece Dragon Ball and Toriko anime did before. And it was just like, you know, some guys ran into each other. They fought for a bit and then they fought the real bad guy. And that's basically all you can really do um, unless you because if you have characters that are all set in the same world that's one thing because then you can decide this character is stronger than this one and that kind of thing but if you're having multiple fandoms multiple universes crossing over then you can't really do that uh because then it's you know then it hurts the brand of one of the series to have it be like well they lost to the hero of that series it means they suck more that kind of thing but you can have fun diversions between them uh, I think that it would be interesting to see a more ongoing thing uh, one of these days, but I don't think it's incredibly likely ever to happen uh, for anything more than like just a, a brief limited run. But they can be fun. Yeah, I think uh, we generally jump stuff and jump doesn't do a ton of them every so often, sort of like special event one chapter kind of deals. I know that there was a like, huge crossover chapter when uh jump stars was coming out mm. and uh there was the cross epoch between one piece and dragon ball which i really liked a lot actually uh it was it was a very fun little simple kind of story but it was it was really amusing um and i i know some stuff outside of that uh, we just mentioned i think the other week that hero has done a crossover of all of his three major series uh yeah. and I know I think Clamp uh, does some stuff with theirs from time to time. Yes. So yes. there's stuff out there. I, I'll be honest. I'm not like crazy hungering for it, though. Um, I kind of like it to see people and characters cross over with each other when they are meant to exist in the same universe. But when they're not, I, I you know, I find it fine. It's like a fan service kind of thing to be like, hey, here's Luffy riding on the flying Nimbus, you know, isn't this crazy? And then kind of keep it there. I don't really need more than that, per se. I think that's part of the reason why you see more uh, slice of life kind of series uh, do crossovers when they're in jump is because it's very easy to justify them taking place in the same universe. Yeah. It's very easy for a group of high school volleyball players to just run into, 
you know, a high school guy and all the women who pine for him and they just have and they just decide to have a beach volleyball game. It's very easy to just say like, yeah, these could these could easily take place in the same universe because there's nothing crazy about either one that makes it a super unique setting that will make it incompatible with the other. But then if you're going to do something like, okay, well, here's this ninja battle series and here's this magic battle series. And so now both of these things now exist in each other's universe and yet we never see them again. Then that's kind of weird unless you have like a whole setup is like, well, they came into this world and all that. And then Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit. There's a little bit more legwork you have to do in order to justify, hey, these characters are hanging out together. Um. And, you know, they don't exist in the same universes, generally speaking. So it's you to have to do that every single time you see a crossover can be a little bit of a weird uh, obstacle to overcome. Yeah, there was a, a follow up question that was okay. in a similar vein of uh, is this better? Is this easier to do in American comics or can manga also try it? And the thing about American comics is that there are a lot of, you know, universes where it's like all these characters and all these different lines canonically take place in the same universe. And sometimes in those cases, they don't line up too well because there are different types of stories being told with different power levels and stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, it has a thing. And Marvel Comics and DC Comics, so much of their stuff exists in the same universe, even if they're very odd things. You know, it's not that crazy. But like Hulk in space. So doing a crossover or something like that, you know, Hulk suddenly a guardian of the galaxy for a little bit like. It may not be good, but you could much more easily kind of accept that. And that's just the way comics seem to run, at least from my opinion. I, I shouldn't speak as though I have much authority on this. I haven't read a comic in, in a very, very long time. But I, I assume it's significantly easier when your characters are all birthed in the same, like, literally the same New York a lot of the time. So Yeah. And as people in the chat are bringing up, it's like, why are the X-Men discriminated against? Because they're mutants in the Marvel Universe when there are all sorts of other weird people. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Got a question here from PK Kingdom. Actually, a couple says uh, one. How comfortable are you guys with gay series? Uh, Is it okay? Is it as long as it's not porn? And would you be interested in doing a theme month or week for Pride Month? And um, I believe I could speak for nick and myself here when i say ew gross <laughs> uh, not a no obviously yeah no I, we're completely okay with that uh it's something i don't think either of us have any umbrage with uh and even the idea of uh, it's is it okay as long as it's not porn i don't really think know if that needs to even be a qualifier in there i would say uh akisora has been very clearly kind of defined as the level we don't go past so I, I don't care what the orientations of anyone involved are necessarily. Just no don't kids. be Akisora. Yeah, like really, <laughs> we, we, we've gone there. Um, oh, well, it's this beautiful love story between a 25-year-old man and this 8-year-old. Okay, stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop. It's not that they're gay. It's not that they're gay. That's not the problem. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have, like, I don't have an issue there. But um, yeah, and for the last one, we'd be interested in doing a theme month or a week for Pride Month. Uh, there's definitely a potential there. I think that if we're going to do it under the banner of a Pride Month, uh, it would probably be something where if we're looking at stuff that, you know, neither one of us really have like a leg in, then we would have to look outwards to find some people to speak more to that content, you know? Mm. Uh, so it's a possibility. We'd have to look and find guests, which I'm a very bad networker and 
like my ability to find people is pretty bad. So I mean, we do. I mean, I can't immediately right away think of a couple of candidates, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I no, no, I, I, but I just mean like depending on what sort of series you're reading or something like that. You know, right. on 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 the on the wider spectrum, who knows what we might run into. So it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, you would have to have the the um. There will be a disclaimer of like, by the way. We are not the target audience for this kind of series, but I mean, just having a story that happens to include uh, same sex love in it is not going to uh, in any way disqualify it from us considering it. Now, there are various other ways that we could find such a series to be um, not very good to to talk about, Mm -hmm. but they are definitely not, you know, that is not why. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, good question, PK. Or P yeah. Kingdom. I do like the idea of doing a, a pride uh, kind of theme. That would be cool. Yeah. Let's talk about this question from... Oh, Paperclip again. Okay. Uh, Nick, you've mentioned annoying Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I was wondering if you've ever heard of Fiber Jar. Yes, I have. It's a banned card. It was very, very, very powerful and just kind of... I don't know if you've ever heard of Fiber Jar before, Chris. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm looking it up right now, and I feel like I've seen the visual it, it basically, before. It basically resets the duel uh, minus cards that have been removed from play and minus life points. Yeah, so. it's it's similar to what Morphine Jar. It's um, like in the same yes. kind of vein of that as like kind of like reshuffling hands and, and decks and things of that nature. Uh, morphing jar number one resets hand sizes. Morphing jar number two essentially resets monsters on the field, although not quite as much so because it doesn't actually affect uh, card advantage. It doesn't say like everyone, you know, gets rid of all their monsters. It's everyone gets rid of all their monsters and the monsters are then replaced eventually, essentially. Um, but fiber jar is you shuffle every single card in your graveyard and your hand and your field into your deck, and then both players draw five cards. So if you have a disadvantageous field, you can just reset everything. It's uh, it's banned because it's bullshit. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, there's also a question here, um, which I'm not going to talk about because spoilers. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. Chris. Do you have a Blue Bell ice cream f- where you live? I know that you hate Butterfinger, but you mentioned that you might try an ice cream version of it, I believe. And there is a Blue Bell flavor called Butter Crunch that I recommend as it is basically a Butterfinger ice cream. Uh, no, I do not have a Blue Bell anywhere near me to my knowledge. Um, I'm trying to I've find seen, out where they Blue are. Bell sold in the, in the grocery store before, but I don't think there's a Bluebell place. Is that the same one? Because I, I, I thought I recognized the two, but I'm looking at Bluebell and that is not the logo I was thinking of. I believe that Bluebell has like the cows on the cartons. Okay, then yeah, I guess it is. Maybe it's a southern thing. It looks like its headquarters is in Texas, but I can't say I've ever seen any of these before. It's not my preferred uh, brand, so I'm so I'm not sure about the flavors that it actually has. But I believe that uh, they sell that here. But yeah, okay. like the big cartons with the kind of like golden brown. Hmm. I think that's it. So no, I mean I, our ice cream here is like the main flavors, and then Turkey Hill, which is kind of like the like the the gas station chain around here, which for some reason makes really good ice cream. And then uh, yeah, basically it's like the major companies. So I can't I can't say I've heard of a Blue Bell before. 
Oh, there it is. Blue, Bluebell ice cream butter crunch. Yeah. So that's the brand I was thinking of. Yeah. So maybe it's really good. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll check it out if I'm ever in the area where they have it. All right. And uh, I think that's it. That's it. Okay. Okay. A uh, quick one here from Ninja X3i says For each of the following arcs, how would you rank the fights? So the three that we're ranking here are the Sasuke Retrieval, where Ninja X3i also points out that reinforcements count as the same fight, uh, Hueco Mundo, and then Enos Lobby. Uh, Sasuke Retrieval arc is the best part of all of Naruto. Uh, it, there are incredible fights in, in terms purely of the fights. It is the best part of all of Naruto, basically. <laughs> Um, the, the stuff with Choji where he powers up and you see how strong he can be, uh, Neji being a good guy for basically the first time and having to use strategy against, uh, uh the spider guy, Kimimaro. I forget which, get what their names are because the, some of them have similar names. Uh, the bone guy, uh, with, uh, his fight against Lee and Gara, uh, Kiba and Nakamaru turning into basically a two headed, uh, Cerberus, uh, and of course, Naruto and versus Sasuke. There are just so many excellent fights in that. It is definitely like some of my favorite fight scenes in Naruto, one after another, after another, after another. So. And then where would uh, you rank Hueco Mundo versus Enos Lobby? <sighs> Enos Lobby would probably go. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Oh, no, we rank all the fights, no, I think what he's asking for is to rank the fights inside of the arcs. Oh, OK. OK. Uh, Choji's fight is the best uh, in uh, the Sasuke retrieval arc, partially because it's so unexpected, because that's the first time that Choji did anything remotely impressive. Um, Shikamaru's fight. I want to say it's actually probably the worst among them, and that's a low Florida set. Uh, that's the one he has with uh, Tayuya, where she, uh, you know, has like her flute playing stuff. And uh, she summons like monsters that she controls by playing the flute. And there's a couple of fun things that happen in it. Like uh, Shikamaru uses a flash uh, bang to extend the shadows so they can take control of them. Um, but it's a weird thing because like there's a constant theme in those fights of the demon seal being released or the curse seal being released. So they get a power up and hers is just kind of like, I'm going to use it now. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like not really justified at all. Um, it does have the satisfying conclusion with Tamari showing up and just crashing the entire forest down on top of her, though. That was fun. Uh, I think that probably Kiba and eventually Konkuro versus uh, Sakan and Ugon, Ukon goes above that. Then Neji versus Spider Guy. Uh, then... Naruto and Sasuke, and then uh, Choji is at the top. Okay. Uh, oh, I'll... I forgot about I forgot about Garan and Lee against uh, Bone Guy. He's probably below Naruto and Sasuke. Okay. So third. I'll do Inus Lobby then, uh, real enough. quick. Uh, I would say uh, Chopper versus Kumadori 
is probably the bottom one because it's not really a fight in the same way. Chopper gets beat on for a bit, eats a third rumble ball, turns huge and crushes him. So it's a very cool cinematic thing. But in the way you analyze a fight in the same way you do all the others, it doesn't really have like a back and forth. It's it's a stomping and then the other one becomes a super monster. Uh, af- yeah, I don't even I didn't even remember that he had actually been fighting someone. We did that. So, yeah. Uh, after that, this is t- I. I think I'm going to pick Khalifa versus Nami after that. I want to note there's a huge gap there between Chopper and this one because Nami's fight isn't bad, but I really, really like Frankie's fight with Fukuro, which I'd probably rank like right above it. It's very strange because there isn't anything actually like that crazy like it's kind of us seeing more frankie's like fighting style and everything like that but i love how visually it uses the environment of venus lobby how so much of that fight takes place basically in an aerial battle so i'm gonna put that above nami's fight but nami's fight was really good too for the most part uh then probably zoro's fight against kaku uh because that one was really good but i i still somewhat of the mindset that i thought the uh the the azura power or whatever is kind of a weird ending to that fight that doesn't make a ton of sense to me still but that was a really good fight to that point uh then jayaburo versus sanji and then you has to top it off with luchi versus luffy that was that was Absolutely. that's like the top one in that arc hmm Okay, so I'm trying do, to go over... How do we rank the 79 fights that happened in Hueco Mundo? <laughs> well, the, pro- the problem with that is that there's actually not that many individual fights. There's just a few where people keep fucking showing up. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like, um... Well, so, are you considering, example, like, the Frashion? Like, is that Hueco Mundo? Uh, Hueco Mundo is from the part that... Ishida and Ichigo and Chad go into the tunnel and arrive okay. there and Renji and Rukia show up. So all the stuff where, you know, everyone's invading uh, Karakura town ahead of time, that's not part of it. Uh, when they leave and go back, go to the fake Karakura town, uh, that's not part of it. So it, the the final cutoff is definitely Ichigo versus Zolkiora because they're actually in, you know, Wakamundo when that happens. Uh, and some would definitely say that that's after because, like, it takes place, I think, after a cutscene and stuff. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Some would argue, honestly, that the cutoff is actually Ichigo versus Quinjao for that matter, I think. I think. I can't remember. God, I don't even know. I. So, so basically, if you divide it up, the first fight is actually when they meet the two hollow. Um. And there's like the guy who fires a bunch of bullets and then there's the really big guy. And Ishida takes down the guy who fires a bunch of bullets and Chad takes down the really big guy. Then there's like a giant sand creature thing that Rukia shows up to save their asses and use using her ice powers. Um, Then is I believe after that they get split off from each other. And that's when they start encountering the Espada for the first time. And that's when you get like the multi-part fights. So there's the former Espada that show up, the Privaran Espada. So Ichigo fights the eyebrows guy with the swirly things. Um, Ishida fights Chiruchi Thunder Witch, 
who turns into like a bug thing. Uh, Chad fights the Afro guy with the dragon fist things. Uh-huh. Um, and then immediately after that, Noitora shows up with his fraction and the fraction beats up Chad because Chad can't ever look good. <laughs> and from there, so Zaraki shows up and kills the Fraxion, and then he fights Zaraki. So it goes from Chad against one guy to Chad against another guy to Zaraki against that second guy to Zaraki against Noitor. And that's technically all one fight if all the people showing up are one fight. So. And then there's the Zalaparo <sighs> thing, where Zalaparo's got all his fraction that Ishida and Renji fight. And then Dondo Chaka and Peche, Peke, Peche, they fight against Zalaparo and they don't get the job done. So Mayuri and Nemu show up and they fight him and beat him. There's Ruki against Araniero. And that, that's just it. That's the simplest <laughs> one. And that's easily the best fight in this whole thing, by the way. Just, yeah. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, f- so then there's Ichigo. Oh, God. Did Nell get involved in a fight somewhere in there? Yes. She fights against. Does she fight against Noitora? I, I, that's in my mind. I was like, did she get involved in the Noitora fight or whatever? Nell versus... Does she fight against Scrimjo? I can't fucking remember. There's too many of these fucking things that happen in a row. (laughs) Bleach, Nell versus Neotor. All right, so she did fight him at some point. She she must not have beaten him, though, right? No, her transformation broke before she could finish him. So I don't remember exactly how that sequence goes, honestly. I, she must, like, lose the transformation and, I don't know, scare him away or something. Like, doesn't she come in to protect Chad or, or something like that? I think she was protecting Ichigo. Maybe she was, but, like... Because Kenpachi kills Neotori. He just, he does, like, the I'll use two hands and he beats him thing. And, yes. like, he couldn't, like... If 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 Chad got saved by Kenpachi, Kenpachi like never like broke that fight up to my knowledge. So okay, okay, here we go. Uh, Ichigo and his friends decide to split up. Rukia remembers her third Shikai technique. That's in the fight against uh, Aroniero. That's the best fight. Ichigo fights Okira for the first time and is quote unquote killed by the latter. Both Chad and Rukia collapse after defeating an Espada. Renji and Uryu team up to defeat the eighth Espada as Xyloporo grants. They don't defeat him. He could he beat. He comes back. Ichigo fights Grimjo, Jacques, Jacques for the last time, right? When he gets his hollow power and his mask breaks, but he just keeps on fighting. Noitora dispatches Grimjow and fights the exhausted Ichigo. Hey, remember when it looked like Grimjow was dead, but he actually wasn't and everyone kind of suspected he wasn't. And then he just kind of showed back up for the final arc and then he didn't do anything. That was great. Didn't so, he, he, he helps uh, the Urahara beat. Lavara. What's his? Uh, 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 Asuka knock Lavar, doesn't he? He like rips his heart out. Yeah, so. it's it's stupid and awful. <laughs> Four of Society's captains assist Ichigo and his friends, those being Mayuri, Zaraki, Byakia, and Unahana. And of course, Unahana doesn't actually fight anyone because we're not meant to know that she's super strong but uh, just yet. Byakia shows up and beats Zomari. I can't remember. I think Zomari might have come across Rukia. 
I think. Probably. That would seem like an easy way for it to happen. Uh, invasion of Karakura Town begins. After defeating Rudborn Shalut, Rukio, Chad, and Renji deal with an enraged Yami. Right. So that's another fight, but it happens almost entirely off screen. So that's the worst one. <laughs> well, so I guess like this is the important question. What are we even considering Hueco Mundo? Is it every fight that took place physically in Hueco Mundo or is it everything that happened until the fake Kar- Karakura Town arc started? Uh, Ichigo is sent to Karakura Town as, as Kenpachi and Byakuya fight Yami. Yami is left to die as the battle with eyes and ends. God. Uh, Ichigo kills Ulkior in their final fight due to his new hollow form. It's the heart. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna need to to call. Uh, I'm not sure which of these qualify. So, how about we rank them like this? Uh, Rukia versus uh, Arniero at the top. That's, That's a good one. And then others are below yes. it. <laughs> and then Yami versus everyone at the bottom because <laughs> yeah. you didn't see any of it. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I would also I just mean, it's, it's easier to keep track of at the very beginning because it's much simpler. One person fights another person and then person A wins or person B wins. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically it. And after that point, it gets to like because Ichigo nearly gets killed by Okiora, but Grimjo stops him because he uses this the like the punishment prison thing in order to send him away for a little bit. And then he tells Orihime to heal Ichigo. But then they fight start fighting immediately after so does that all one fight or, or what? Uh, and yeah, then there, I think that what happens is Noitora. Okay. Oh, I remember now. So Noitora showed up for it with Chad, but then they just like wrecked him. And then after they had wrecked Chad, then Noitora shows up after the fight with Grimjow. Uh, after Ichigo beat him and he seemingly kills Grimjow. He looks like he's going to kill Ichigo and Arihime. That's when Nell shows up, but then um, they stop Nell, Nell's transformation breaks, so it looks like he's going to kill him then. And then the captains show up, and Zoraki fights him and eventually beats him. God, this series is weird. <laughs> also, there's the Exekias that are going around and mopping up all the people that have been killed. And Rukia fights the head one because he's got a tree uh, release, and she just freezes the tree with her ice powers. So much stuff happens in this arc. It's like so like inconsequential when it happens. <laughs> anyway. All right. That's good. Like yeah. So. Good question, Ninja. Uh, all right. I believe that this is Satellites of Love asking this question. I might be misremembering uh, your real name. And if I am, I do apologize. Uh Okay, dear Nick of Gear Two and Rolo Gear Three. Yeah. What are your What are your favorite finishers in One Piece? I'm personally fond of Luffy's final jet gatling against Lucci. Eh, there you go. Uh, I sometimes rewatch to get pumped up for exercising. Also, what is a gum gum technique you'd like to see Luffy inventively finish a big bad with? I'm surprised that Oda hasn't done anything gum gum rocket yet. I believe gum gum rocket is the one where he slingshots himself forward. Yeah. Uh, so Jet Gatling is the best. I think all all of Luffy's Gatlings are great. Uh, Storm is basically Gatling, but just in the air, which is what he used to beat Crocodile, and that's another really great one. It's just visually very satisfying to see this bad guy who you've hated for so long just get punched to oblivion eventually. 
It always seems to be a priority to whenever Luffy gets an overall upgrade to have an upgraded form of that technique. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say I would like to see. Oh, God. Is it Gum Gum Axe or Stomp? The one he beat Arlong with. Where he just does like an axe kick kind of thing? Yeah, I can't remember if it's Stamp or if it's Axe. Um, but I think like a jet version of that would be kind of cool to see someone get beat. Hey, not get beaten by. I guess it would just be a very visually cool thing, and it's probably happened at some point. Just hasn't been like given the same flavor as as a lot of his other ones. It's also interesting that you know, for for a guy who can stretch himself out and stuff like that, Luffy's always going for the strikes. He's he's. I don't think he's ever gone for any sort of like grappling thing where he like kind of wraps someone up with his arms or anything like that. Not exactly. I know there was during the fight with Arlong, he did stretch his fingers out into like a big net to to like catch somebody. Yes, I and do then, remember that. Yeah, and then that's kind of it. But I do like those ones. Yeah, I I, I like the Jet Catlin ones a lot. And actually, he did use he did use something where he like wrapped himself around a person and then used them like a like physically used them like a puppet and I, I feel like he called them like an ally <laughs> robot or something like that <laughs> uh well the only other one that i can really think of uh beyond those is bell where he uh launches his head does the headbutt yeah so yeah i think i mean there's a lot of them i do i've i've come to lo- really like elephant gun as well um bazooka actually that's one i would like to see again a really cool gum gum bazooka again where he does both hands like palm forward kind of like a kamehameha uh pose okay i'd like to see another one of those in like a big way again okay all right uh all right got another question from peak kingdom who says do you guys have a bad slash weird series that you've read that the other has it that has not been covered yet? Uh, I do occasionally bring up Rough, uh, which is a swimming series I read in one day, um, which was very frustrating uh, for me to read it. But I kind of got all of my talking uh, done about it when we covered, um, I think it was was a cross game what was it i i always get it, the name of this of the series confused with others because there are a number of series that are similar to it the baseball uh uh slice of life slash romance slash drama thing about baseball and the, the love interest dies early in the series uh thing so uh but it's the same author mitsu Radachi. Uh, wrote wrote both series and I was uh, so when we covered that I just complained about his writing style and how he seems to always end his series in, in the same way uh, yeah so there was that um, yeah uh, I've had a couple of oddities I, I, I mentioned last time last uh, September after Kadamino Gigan being like we're gonna do Codebreaker because that was a series I've mm. probably mentioned being bad a couple times uh, but I, I didn't read all of it. I remember reading like maybe like three or four volumes worth and just being like, this sucked and dropping it and being like, you know what? That may be something fun to go back to. Uh, as for weird ones though, I have like a couple, I've been trying to, for maybe like seven or eight years now, tried to put together like a top 10 list of weirdest manga 
And I think I I need to just retire that idea because it's it's such a subjective thing. And and you're always discovering new ones anyways. <laughs> yeah, or the stuff that I found doesn't even sound that weird. I just remember one of the ones I always had prepared to talk about on the list was a manga called Cubism Love, which was a uh, romantic series about like a – I believe it's like a girl who falls in love with a brain in a box. And I was like, that's weird. But now that I say it. It's not that weird in the grand scheme of things compared to everything we read about, like, all the time. So, I don't know. I guess that's sort of a weird one out there. I've never heard anything else about it. There was also a runway battle manga at one point. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, though. But there was, like, a, a runway battle manga I was also going to bring up at one point. So, yeah, I guess there's some odd ones there. Uh, in terms of odd ones, I don't believe Chris has ever read Frank and Fran. Uh, I've seen enough of it back in the days where yeah. I used to follow uh, uh, TV tropes. It used to get brought up a lot mm-hmm. on there. By the way, yeah. TV tropes is garbage now. What happened to it, Nick? It, Maybe was it always yeah, garbage and it was just our perception? I think that that's part of it, and I think also it's kind of been a thing where like it hasn't changed with the times, sort of thing. Uh, especially because of their weird stance on like whenever an ad's made, don't don't do anything to it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's you know a lot of takes that it from you know ten years ago that have never been updated and are just left there and stuff. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, Frank and Fran is one that yeah you haven't read that I have read all of, and it was a series that definitely freaked me the fuck out when I first read it, and after a few years I was kind of like this isn't so bad, and so I've ended up reading the whole thing. Um. In terms of bad series, uh, Tolovru is probably near the top of my list of series that I'm going to pick for Sadistic September since I've already been through it. The problem, the main problem with it is that it's just kind of like once you've read one chapter, you've read them all. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to actually. So Chris, how much of this series did you read? Because you can like just name something that happens. And I'm like, I mean, that could have been chapter one or chapter one hundred. <laughs> the one where he grabs the girl's boobs. Like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> That's 88 percent of the chapters of this series. Well, hold on, Chris. What color was her hair? <laughs> Magenta. Shit. Damn it. <laughs> There's three girls with that hair color for some reason. There's like four or five girls that are all from the same family who have the same hair color because they're aliens that also have devil tails that are all, you know, used as, you know, just like sex objects of various ages and body types. It's it's such a it's such a transparent series. It's so ridiculous. But that's what makes it great. Yeah. And uh I honestly, honestly, I might just have us read that if we're if we're stuck reading Ayakashi Triangle in a year or so. It's like, well, Chris, you've got to get you've got to prepare yourself. For got to double up on it now. <laughs> uh, thank you for the question, P Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll move on to a question from Jonah Bacon Lefkowitz. Jonah Bacon Lefkowitz. There we go. Uh, hello, Nick, the great and powerful. And Chris, pay no attention to the man in the Mr. Gray Tideas hat. Yeah. Everyone's favorite character for Weekly Manga Recap. <laughs> I have a few questions. Number one, I know Food Wars is meant to be an over-the-top manga, but as a professional cook, the idea that someone cutting a cooked steak with a chainsaw to make it more tender and taste better is so dumb and impossible that I honestly lost it despite myself knowing how silly the manga is meant to be. What is one thing you find hard to suspend your disbelief on, no matter the situation? Actage. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
I've talked multiple times about uh, Prince of Tennis, uh, how even just having once been just an an amateur uh, tennis player, just being like, that's against the fucking rules. You can't do that. You can't vault off the judge's chair. You would lose the points. And they do it like three times. Got to get that extreme energy in, though. I think there's like one thing that's over the top in that series that like is both a physically possible and b not against the rules, which is the around the pole shot, the boomerang snake. It's like, yes, you can physically keep your is physically possible to do that, though usually not consistently. And B it is legal to do that. You can do. Yes. If that, if you do that, it counts, but all the other stuff like, Oh, well a fucking light fell on the fucking court and, but Edgerton hit his shot perfectly through the crashing lighting fixture so he won the points like, no that's a let it doesn't count fuck you <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I, it's already a bad series so uh, there's that so in terms of just like yeah general knowledge areas of stuff there you go but also beyond that if you have less patience for a series in general then you're not going to be able to suspend your disbelief as much yep question number two there are a lot of manga I want to recommend to people, but I always find it hard to give a major. But I always find I have to give a major heads up about something like I Show 21 is the best sports manga ever, but it gets racist as fuck for like 27 chapters. <laughs> 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 or Death Note has some amazing moments, but it's crazy sexist. So what is one manga that you would recommend to someone, but you feel like you have to get a heads up about something first? Hmm. Ron in the Gray World. <laughs> yeah, that could be one. We we, we just talked did. about it last week. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like a major manga. I mean, even One Piece. If I was to recommend it, I'd be like, uh, the character of Sanji needs some discussion ahead of time. There's, There's some stuff one... <laughs> with Nami that happens. That's always like a little shameless. There's um, one arc where they have Luffy wear an afro because it makes him a great boxer. <laughs> oh, yeah. It basically is there's I mean, say the same thing. One piece, but there's 20 chapters where it gets really racist for some reason. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> I mean, I think that you could I, I think that you have to give a disclaimer to a lot of great manga, honestly. Hmm. Uh, especially because like there are some series that are incredibly good, but they were written in a previous era. Or they're written from the perspective of someone who is Japanese and is not as familiar with, uh, you know, ideas that have gained prominence, even only recently in, you know, Western cultures and stuff. Um, So but those are some, you know, prolific examples there. Yeah. Uh, And question three, Gremi is now the leader of a squad in World Trigger. Who does he get to join him? What triggers does he use and how does he inevitably get owned? (laughs) Gremmy was the imagination character who couldn't yes. imagine anything. So his his three people, I assume you ever like, you know, like when you go into a WWE game and you go right to create a wrestler and you don't edit anything, you just hit A. So it's just a, yeah, it's just a bald white guy with, uh, with like black, plain black trunks or something like that. And he has three of them. And they're all the same height and yeah. weight. Facial <laughs> structure. And they all have swords. They all just have, they're all attackers because the best defense is a good offense in his mind. Best uh, offense though, is good offense. I feel as though he would go for like all gunners, actually, 
because uh, he would be like, with this many gunners, I can have so many bullet formations. And then they're like always just like very easily defined geometric shapes uh, that the <laughs> patterns of bullets take. So it's like, behold, the figure eights is like, well, I'll just step over here. then. <laughs> or it's 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 a level of he's like. With all these guns at my disposal, the shooting uh, techniques that I'll have will be unstoppable. All an assault every time. Everyone fire. Everyone fire. Hail of gun for this. So it's always just all guns out blazing. And then eventually he's just like, oh, man, that guy is super strong. I'll just imagine myself being as strong as them. And then he immediately has to bail out and explains <laughs> afterwards, like, well, I could imagine how strong you were. I just couldn't imagine how your body would contain all the try on. <laughs> Oh, dear. Although, I guess Grummy would actually make for a great uh, agent in one respect, which was that he, he already would just need to have an artificial body. So, Yeah, yeah, it works out that way. Pretty good for them. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. All right, next question that we have here is from Jelly Elfson. Uh, are you watching the new Digimon series? Uh, not yet, but okay. I am going to start. Uh, so I watched the start of it. I was on Jeff's podcast, Poddigis, where we talked about the third episode of the series. So I've watched the first three episodes. And if you wanted to hear my thoughts on the Digimon series, I would be a bad friend if I said them here and didn't direct you to go check out uh, Jeff's episode, Poddigis. So go check that out there. Uh, as for am I still watching the series? I actually talk about that in the episode where the answer is most likely not unless I'm on the podcast again, just because <laughs> I don't generally watch a lot of anime. <laughs> Uh, I actually do watch more anime these days, but it's uh, Digimon has not been included in my uh, weekly watches. Uh, so uh, that's something that I'm actually probably going to end up doing like independently, because usually these days I watch anime with Nicole. Uh, uh-huh. We do it like as a nightly as a weekly ritual, uh, one night of each week. And uh, that has been part of our rotation just yet. So, yeah, I, 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 I will just note that. There's a lot of uh, interesting fun to be had with the new Digimon series. So, All right. This uh, next one comes from Pheasant Tail. Dear Windows Mixed Reality, World Mission Radio, Willard Mitt Romney, various railroad companies, and anything else with the initials WMR. Yes, <laughs> Mitt Romney's first name is Willard. I don't blame him for dropping it. Chris, I agree with you that the Zabuza arc is Naruto's best, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized how out of place it felt in the franchise. It's basically the only time we see a town with no resident ninjas. That's a good point. The conflict isn't about rogue ninja organizations or immortality-seeking mad scientists or even major geopolitical friction. It's a very, it's a, it's the very do- down-to-earth issue of a gangster trying to retain power over a pretty small area. The stakes are huge for the town, but have little relevance. Re- little relevance to the larger world. And Zabas himself is a hired gun, as is much closer to the actual historical ninja's job as mercenaries. And I honestly wish more of the manga was like this. Can you guys think of any other cases of the best part of a franchise, manga or otherwise, is the one that doesn't really fit with the rest? That is a great question. Unfortunately, the answer is a lot of bad series. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, oh, that's the way it works for a ton of series, unfortunately, where you're just, like, some of the time where it pulls itself out of its comfort zone. Well, you know what, that's actually a weird way to phrase it, because that wasn't out of Naruto's comfort zone. The Zabuza arc fits perfectly after what Naruto had started with. 
it established this idea that there's different countries and there's different levels. And if you're not really in the main part of the country, that you can run into some kind of issues. And that here's this other country that has a different way of training their ninjas. And Zabuza is this weird product of all of it. And it does follow everything there. Everything after it, yeah, it's suddenly now it's more about magic ninja eyeballs and things like that. But, I mean, even then, it still takes a while. The tune-in exam for a long part of it is also kind of about this idea of how these different cultures kind of work together and how some of them are more, you know, willing to be evil than others or willing to, to go uh, insidious or deceitful or things like that. So, in my mind, I, I feel like you could make an argument of a lot of things. Like, I could be like, uh, the Kara Kura Town uh, saga in Bleach was the best, but it doesn't fit. It's not about, like, magic sword powers or anything like that. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's just what some series become, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I would say, like, the Regal Mammoth arc is probably one of the best Toriko arcs because it was all about, like, the the big, tr- like, challenge of conquering this beast and fighting other people to to win against it, to, to earn this prize. And then later on, it's like, I don't know, you just punch things and eventually you get its food. We, we've got bigger things to talk about right now, you know? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just something that happens in Shonen where the powers levels have been raised, power creep has happened, and the stakes have been raised. And so, yes, those things would be out of place later on in the story, but they're not out of place at the place where they occur in the story. So, mm-hmm. um, An answer I can think of that uh, I think fits this in a way is when a character in a series is good precisely because they defy the issues that the main character presents the series with. So for example, like in air gear, uh, there are a couple of good characters. I forget the, I have, I have honestly forgotten the name of the guy who becomes like the flame gear guy. Like these, oh, he's the guy Ka- on Kazu. I think so. Yes. Yes. And he's like, you know, fast, like a jet that, you know, he's one of the most admirable characters in the series precisely because like, oh, he grows and he's not entirely defined by being an asshole who looks at porn and fucks over his teammates because he was too busy looking at porn, that kind of thing. Um, or in Prince of Tennis, a lot of my favorite characters are just other teams that are presented as good guys because they have actual bonds as a team and they're not just the team that was already really good before the best player of the generation also showed up to help them out and he never loses in tournament play. It's, you know, there, there are teams of underdogs that are there and you could, you briefly see snippets of their journeys and where they come up short and how they take steps forward in order to progress further and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's cool stuff that happens in them precisely because they are not, burdened with the problems that the main characters are crushed beneath. Um, in terms of like actual like arcs that are, there aren't the same. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more hard pressed to uh, think of examples of that. I'm afraid beyond just like, well, this one was good early on and the series got bad. So. Yeah. All right. All right. I got two questions here for tropical. The first one is just for you, Nick. Uh, okay. question to Nick, you mentioned last week that you were keeping up with the Demon Slayer conclusion on the first question, considering that this final arc was announced in February 2019 and lasted all the way to May 2020 how would you describe the pacing of the final arc compared to the other very bloated and long-winding final arcs like Bleach that took four years to complete 
I mean, it, it was long for the series when you think about the pacing of uh, Demon Slayer as a whole. Um, I mean, I was shocked after I watched uh, the anime to discover because I was convinced like, oh, they must have like, you know, kind of like really kind of sped some stuff up. Or, and if anything, they slow parts of the beginning down uh, for that for it all to last 26 episodes. Uh, so I'm actually can be pretty sure that the anime series could last to be about three seasons long, if if, if not more. Yeah, probably, probably, probably three, maybe even two if uh, they have like another movie or two beyond the uh, the train one, because that covered an entire arc to, to, yeah, to give you an idea, like an entire arc is being covered in a movie because that's how wow. short Demon Slayer's arcs are sometimes. Interesting. Um, so it was long for the series itself. When which when you think about it, when it lasted just a grand total of about like, what, 160 chapters? It's not ve- not very long. Um, but I mean, that said, I think that it, you know, it did all that it wanted to do. So, eh. yeah. Uh, and I will say that I was only kind of just kind of keeping my finger on the pulse of it. So I wasn't fully experiencing the series. I'm not the best qualified to answer that question. I will fully admit. So. All right. Second question here says, considering you were still reading The Promised Everland, this question was back in May. Uh, when you compare the two final bosses, which one became the giant baby, bigger giant baby, Muzan or Peter Ratchery? Uh, I think we can both agree it was Ratchery, right? He he ran screaming away into the night. I mean, Muzan, the in-universe, he was the bigger baby. Because he was this very intimidating figure who, when he was close to being defeated, totally lost it. Hmm. Um, but that narratively is much more satisfying than a guy who shows up, acts like he's in charge, even though you have no reason to believe he's in charge other than hearsay. And then all of a sudden he just fucking loses it right away. So he, his entire existence basically can be summed up as he's an emotional wacko who just <laughs> as soon as something goes wrong, he'll be immediately be like, I'm going to torture this kid. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> He's just got no chill whatsoever. No. Whereas, I mean, Muzan lost his composure when he, when everything was going wrong for him after he'd been in power for so long, but you actually saw him being in power for so long where you were, as you were just kind of told that Rotary was in power. So, um, it was a much bigger issue, uh, for Rotary as a character in terms of like which of them is the bigger is the bigger baby, I guess moves on in a way because he was acting pretty pathetic at the end there. Yeah. All right. Uh, those are the questions then from Tropical. All right. Then the this is from Jack Lebrano. Dear why ruler of the mustaches and Rolo the host of the show. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> Uh, been a while, so here's some questions. First, Nick, have you seen Spider-Verse? If so, I'm going to assume you liked it like 98.9% of all people who have seen it. I mean, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I'll say that much. Uh, if not, being the Spider-Man fan that you are, are you interested in the idea of Mayday Parker possibly being added to the Spider-Verse sequel? I would love for that to happen. I am, yes, a big Spider-Girl f- uh, fan, which I think you might have meant to say. But yes, I, I love Spider-Girl. I've got the entire first run of her series uh still in a little crate in my closet over there right now um 
they have, of course, you know, done some stuff in the comics before where she has crossed over. There was the I forget what it was. The it wasn't. Web was it what web verse or something like that? It was basically like the comic arc that into the spider verse is based is based on. I forget what it's called, but like every Spider-Man who's ever existed ends up getting drawn into it, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and sh- and a, a version of her was involved in that. Uh, in addition to, I think, just made the Mayday Parker from her comics. Uh, and of course, also, there was an, a small arc in her run where she gets sent back in time and she meets her dad and stuff. And I think that that could be interesting uh, having, you know, may meet up with, you know, a version of Peter Parker who has is shocked to find that in a future time, in a possible future, he's got this daughter. Mary Jane was involved in the first uh, Spider-Verse film. It would be interesting to see her inter- uh, interact with her. And, you know, it would just be a, a nice excuse to have some cool character interactions happen because beyond uh, Gwen and and Peter and Miles, all the other spider people that show up are just like, and I'm here too. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, you know, Japanese schoolgirl, a spider uh, person. I'm spider ham. I'm here to make one liners. And then uh, I'm, I'm Nick cage and I'm here to be a spider man. And that's kind of what they were They're They were not very deep characters beyond just they're a spider person. Uh, that's not a criticism. They were introduced very late in the movie, uh, but it would be cool to see more, you know, fleshed out characters be among the spider people that are heavily involved in another movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this question is for Chris. <gasps> All the game story was supposedly a larger mess than the entirety of the franchise put together. Do you still think Kingdom Hearts as a game is still worth buying even after all this time? So what, I'm sorry, what was the first part of it? Although the game's story was oh, supposedly okay. a larger mess than the entirety of the franchise put together. Do you still think Kingdom Hearts as a game is still worth buying even after all this time? <sighs> The original was 100%. Like, so it's actually kind of weird to say that because actually maybe not. Because the first Kingdom Hearts game, I've been told from a lot of people, does not play Switch. particularly well. It, it's clunky. Yeah, it, it doesn't have it, which is weird because I, 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 it's just nostalgia in my mind. I could still play it today and be like, this is fantastic. I love it. Um, and I, I think even two can still be kind of redeeming. It's weird because you really do have to open two up with like, all right, so I know I kind of sold you on this as like Disney characters meets like cool Final Fantasy characters, but you're going to have to spend 30 minutes, like an hour and a half fucking running around this town with a bunch of characters you don't care about in a tutorial where you have to find memories or some shit. You have to get a job to pay for ice cream at one point. It's awful. You're going to hate it, but you can get past you're it. You're a merman now. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I don't know, man. Kingdom Hearts 3 sucked. Kingdom Hearts 3 fucking blew chunks, man. I beat that game. I 100% completed it. And I have put that game in my rearview mirror. There may be a Kingdom Hearts 4. There definitely is. They they ended it on a bunch of of teases for stuff. Um, But I have zero interest in the Kingdom Hearts 4 at this point. Next time, this character becomes dark. basically like even even xehanort at the end they kind of redeem him and i was just like i don't so they could be like but there's a more evil person out there and organism i'm like i don't care about super zigbar or whatever the fuck this dude is i don't care about these things and the worlds they put 
sucked dude the 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 fucking frozen world was dope for one reason it's because instead of teaming up with elsa or anna or any of those your partner in that world is the fucking snowman monster that elsa makes to to guard her castle marshmallow or whatever i think his name was it's yeah 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 fucking dope that was the best surprise in that game that's cool and i you you but that with an ice golem yeah yeah, but the world sucks the world is just running up a snow covered mountain basically you don't actually get to visit like kind of was that kind of was the only map in the frozen movies but you don't get to go in her castle the frozen castle seems like an easy place to do some stuff but you don't do anything there uh there's a big hero six world that's basically just a big map of a a city that you jump around in and stuff like that it's just it's not great unfortunately um i mean big hero six is not great in general but okay yeah well actually the big hero six world i will say that world works well if only because it basically uh removes any need for a big hero six sequel because it is essentially a sequel to big hero six and it's pretty good in that way um but no, it's it's just not a great game. It has some strong moments, but I don't know if someone's completely new to Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if I could tell you to get into it because the big payoff to everything that one, two, and the sixteen fucking side games that are in between two and three. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the release timeline right now, and yeah, so. There's Kingdom Hearts in 2002, mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories in 2004, yep. Kingdom Hearts 2 in 2005, and then like Re-Chain of Memories coded 358 slash 2 days birth by sleep recoded Dream yes. Dot Distance 1.5 Remix X 2.5 Remix Unchained slash Union X 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. Ah! Now, to be fair, three of those games... And then 29- yeah. And then 2019 Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> yeah, three of those are just collections of games. And there's a couple, like Dream Drop. Remakes. Yeah, Dream Drop Distance is actually a pretty solid game. Birth by Sleep, I didn't get very far into it, but I've heard that's a pretty fun game. Uh, it's just all the payoff to it is leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3. And Kingdom Hearts 3 is not good. The entire conclusion to that is really lame and not fun so i can't recommend it for that reason it might be worth it to watch how some of it happens and then maybe follow along that way but i i couldn't in good conscience be like hey buy the full kingdom hearts collection and play with it that way and then maybe you'll you'll really dig it because I, I don't think you will to be completely honest i think that there should be like just a law not like a legal law but like a law of like science, like of nature, a natural Mm. law that says if there is a game that is a sequel or, you know, part of a series from an existing franchise that is highly anticipated, but keeps going into development hell. If it's gone 10 years since the last mainline game that is supposed to be a sequel to, you should just not make it. And you should, if you want to continue the franchise, you should say, this is a new thing. And because it's fucking cursed to not be good if you eventually release it. <laughs> well, it's it's weird because there's there's a level of that that is absolutely true. No one uh, there is no way a Half-Life 3 could live up to it. But the Final Fantasy 7 remake had been in the works for an exceptionally long time. That might have been something yeah, that's, that's like a remake, Chris. But, but, but what I mean is like 
a lot of the same reasons the Final Fantasy VII remake took so long to get out are a lot of the same reasons uh, Kingdom Hearts three took so long to get out. It's it's a lot mm. of the same creative team and engines that are being worked on it th- and things like that. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I even as I'm saying that, I'm like, I think they just released a new mobile game that's actually pertinent to the story. So I'm like, I guess you have to play that <laughs> to know everything that's going on. And I, I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So uh, no, I would not recommend picking up Kingdom Hearts. Melody of Memory is an upcoming rhythm action game. Oh, the that, 14th installment in the Kingdom Hearts series. That's actually separate. I forgot about that one. There's also one. I think it's a part of Union X, but there's another game called Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. That's all about the story of Xehanort. Yes. That's meant to like establish more of his backstory. And that it, also came out this year. Yes. Yeah, I, there's there's too much, man. I, I haven't even it's played like browser game, Chris. More platforms. We need more platforms for Kingdom Hearts to take over. It needs to be on every. Thing. We need one on a, a, a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> what the? Who the fuck makes Raspberry Pi? <laughs> uh, anyway, nice question. Yeah. All right. Question here from Ninja X3i says, "What would each of you say is the single best series in your worst recommendation list, and our single worst series on our best recommendation picks?" And, okay. So uh, you you have you have a rule. You have a rule against you. You can't pick Fairy Tale for the latter since you know it wasn't chosen for its quality. That's true. Okay, that's fair enough. So uh, I'll need to actually look get the spreadsheet to remember what series were best of sure. and worst of. So uh, I, I have an easy one for mine because I don't remember this. Uh, apparently, I gave my best series uh, of the year once to. Uh, Shinsuke no Iron Maiden, and I don't remember that series at all. That can't be it. <laughs> and I, I started looking at, I started looking it up, and I was like, this doesn't seem that great. So I, I don't know what Chris was thinking in 2016. Maybe that one isn't as good as uh, it should be. So maybe I'll say that's maybe the worst one I have in there. Because looking at everything else, everything else, I think I could still give a strong recommendation to. Okay, I need to actually pull this sheet up. So you, you've got an edge on me because you were already looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll also, I'll do my best series. It's in my worst list. It's and worst. Yeah. So if I'm being honest, it's probably MO or MXO or M Crosso, whatever you call it. <laughs> but, I'm not, but I'm not giving Infamous Planet the, <laughs> the, the, the satisfaction of going back on that. So I'm gonna say uh, Geo is unironic is 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 a good bad series and shouldn't be in a bad bad spot. It is an enjoyably dumb series. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, I've almost found it. I just need to actually get the fucking tabs. Best and worst recommendations. Okay, here we go. Uh, among my best are Angel Densetsu, uh, Magi, worst Wolf Kai, <laughs> best Nanatakaru. One Punch Man, Tower of God, Worst Usagi Drop, Shitsurakuen. I don't even remember Shitsurakuen. Well, oh, thank block. God. I was so worried. I was like, am I a monster? Because I forgot something. I was like, this is the best recommendation we took all year. And then I'm like, what the hell is this? Um, I do remember Welcome to El Palacio and how disappointed we were with it because it's like, it's a wrestling series. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't seem to understand what it's going for. Is it like a series that breaks kayfabe or is it a series that embraces it? It doesn't seem to go w- both ways. Spider-Man, the manga, which pissed me the fuck off. 
Kamikaze Kaito Jean. That was the one shoujo series that we didn't like. Hunter Hunter is my number three worst. That's an early contender. Uh, <laughs> Tepu and Fruits Basket are in the best. Anani Master Kurosawa, real House of the Sun among best. House of the Sun. I don't remember House of the Sun. Um, yeah. So that's probably. Uh, let's see here. Akamega Kill is in, is in the worst. Certain Scientific Railgun is in the worst. Kurohime is in the worst. Silent Voice, Skill of Lure, Ajin. Kyo Koiho Hajimemas, Air Gear, Akisora, Tomochan wa Ononoko, School Live, Kengan Ashwa. I don't remember School Live either. Jeez. Isn't that the one where the girls are trying to stay alive in the school? Okay, right. So my mind went to a different uh, to a different kind of series when I heard when I read that. So that'd be why I couldn't remember it. Now I now I do remember. I do remember liking that. Chitsuraku and Paradise Lost. Uh, transfers to him with a sense of justice, dreams of becoming a knight, so that he learns a virtual reality-like game played by male students, which they use girls as weapons in battle for status and treat them as commodities. I only vaguely remember this. Which one? Uh, so, Shitarakuen. That was oh, one of my okay. worst series in here. I do only vaguely remember that, but that was from early, early on. Uh, Prince of Tennis, Incarnate, Fort of Apocalypse. <laughs> I do remember Fort of Apocalypse. That was a dumb one. Uh, you know, the Dawn, Bastard, Komi-san can't communicate. Why can't I get a girlfriend? Strongest Legend Kurosawa, Bloody Monday, Please Don't Believe Me Nagatoro, Bloom Into You, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6, Kodomo no Jikan, Harriman, Girlsaurus, and Girlsaurus DX. Hmm. So, let's see here. How's the sun? What the fuck is that? Ah, shit. Okay, let me go through. Let me just really quickly one more time. I'm going to say that me putting Hunter Hunter as the number three worst was probably unwarranted. I didn't like it, but there were definitely parts of it that I liked. And uh, that is much more than I can say for a lot of the series on there. And there was nothing in Hunter Hunter that was really, really bad. It was just kind of like overblown, you know? Uh Um. and uh, I think that God, in terms of like quality for among the best, I think that Tomochan kind of suffers now because now it's ended and the ending wasn't great. Uh, let's see here. Yona, Bastard, Komi, Bloom, Boza, Skillor, Boza, So. I mean, that would probably be it, actually. I'm looking through all the others, and, I've, and I'm just thinking about it. I was like, no, that was good. So I, I guess that that would probably be it. Because I, I can, and that's a little bit of a cop out because I can, because. I, I stand by what I said initially, but I named that like the best series of the year. And now I've read more of it since it's, uh, because it's ended. And uh, it, I don't feel as positively about it as I did then. So yeah. there you go. All right. Good question, Ninja. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So the next one is going to be from Thank You Base James. Dear Nick, you think that gun scares me, Holmes? I'm from. I'm going to say this as whitely as possible. 
You think that gun scares me, Holmes. I'm from Florida, Chico. You can't kill me. I'm already dead. Freeman. And Chris, your city's name is the A-Town? Well, that A must stand for abhorrent. Suck a D, Allentown. Larios. <laughs> Does sound like something I would say about Allentown. Okay. Uh, I turned 30 this week. This is from last year, so happy birthday <laughs> twice. <laughs> Happy, and we're like, happy 31st birthday. <laughs> it's okay, man. Your birthday is like almost the exact same as mine. So, anyway. In the days following this event, I've spent some time reminiscing about stuff I enjoyed as a kid slash teen slash younger adult and how my tastes have changed over the years. One of the things I enjoyed as a kid was Arn Anderson. Uh, that's a wrestler, uh, for those wow. of you not aware. He wrestled primarily in the 80s into the, into the early 90s, and uh, he was he's very good. In retrospect, it makes little sense that I, a small black child, would identify with a man that looked disturbingly like a cop that would whoop my ass if he saw me rock walking in the wrong area of town. But it happened. My question, have you guys ever found yourself attaching or identifying with a character that upon first glance you have nothing in common with? Hmm. That's an interesting question. So, <clears throat> uh... This past weekend, I watched uh, There Will Be Blood. And I was surprised by it because I went into it thinking like, isn't isn't this guy supposed to be like a villain protagonist? He's supposed to be like a giant asshole that's, you know, a psychopath and you're supposed to just, you know, be, you know, horrified by him and stuff. And I was shocked to discover that for the majority of the film, he's actually a kind of likable guy that you closely relate to because there's a bigger asshole in the movie that you're rooting against because he's this uh, full of himself young preacher kid who is just a hypocrite. And meanwhile, um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is, you know, like actually, you know, basically backs up what he says, you know, he actually does work hard and he works with his employees and stuff on, on things. And uh, also, he does actually legitimately care for his son and not just use him as a tool to, you know, get stuff done. And then when he you know, yells at his kid later on uh, when he's grown up, it's kind of like, you're lying. I know you're lying because I know you loved him. And it's, uh, it's breaking my heart that you're pushing him away because you've become a greedy asshole. So it was actually shocking to me that uh, I ended up relating to him as much as he, I did in the early parts of that movie. So, Um. I don't know. I, I I think there's a lot of people that I probably identified with more strongly when I was younger that like nowadays I look back at and I'm just like, I don't I, I know why I identified with them back then. I, I, I have acknowledged before that the circumstances around how I grew up with, you know, an Irish Catholic family and going to Catholic school my entire life, I, I identified a lot stronger with certain elements that I, I don't know if I would identify with the same way anymore so I, i'm sure there's a ton of people who i like if i look back i could be like wow i can't believe i liked you know this comedian or this person or something like that but i, I don't know if i really i know why i identified with them at the time if that makes mm -hmm. sense where it's it's something I'm like yeah it made sense in the in the 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 social circle at the time. I think it's more interesting when I find people I don't like, I feel like I definitely should really like, and I just don't for whatever reason. 
whether it's like everyone else in my general like social shark circle seems to really like them and i'm just like ah, i can't stand them i don't i don't want to listen to them at all i find that happens a lot um but i, I can't think of a great example off the top of my mind of somebody who i really looked up to when i was younger that it didn't make sense like i loved hulk hogan but kids were meant to really like hulk hogan so like that makes sense to me if that if that kind of comes across hmm i got you Uh, actually you know what i have one answer and this is weird i've always found in the same way uh amori always gets his peanuts i have a fondness for like older care like older male characters and i know where that comes from it's 100 percent my grandfather i don't know why i also have a fondness for older like black characters on top of that because that definitely wasn't my grandfather (laughs) so i don't really know like i remember bawling when i watched mars attacks and it looked like they killed um oh god who was the guy in that movie the the boxer guy yeah the boxer guy i I can't remember his name off uh, the actor it turns out it turns out it turns out that he that he survived the fight and he's like the last guy you see in the movie as he like steps on an alien and he's like yeah i lived (laughs) yeah basically yeah but like when it looks like they've beaten him and that like they're dragging his body out it's just me like no so uh i don't know why i have that like level of fondness because that doesn't like connect to anything in the same way but i don't know He's a cool dude. Okay. Was that Jim Brown? Okay, that's what I'm looking at here. Staying on the subject of Arn Anderson for a little longer. Arn was one of the people that always has looked 44 since he was 17. I watched a little promo of him from 1986. The dude was 27. He had a receding hairline, big goofy reading glasses, and a dad gut. The man aged fast. My question, which young Shonen Jump character do you think is most likely to age like Arn Anderson? Or which one do you think it would be funniest if they aged like him? So, just 10 years down the line, a guy, you know, is balding and and, and, and wears reading glasses and has a, has a dad bod and stuff. Hmm. Um... Uh... Let me, let me look up somebody real quick. Because I feel like this isn't somebody. <laughs> Sorry, can you imagine Sasuke <laughs> going that route? Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm an Avenger. I'm an Avenger, and look at my long hair. <laughs> and then he just <laughs> immediately twenty five hits. He loses it immediately. Oh, it's all gone. <laughs> uh so Nanami from Jujutsu Kaisen, I think, actually kind of falls into that. Where he he has like the aesthetic of like a middle aged salary man because that's kind of what he is, uh, like personality wise and where he is in his life prior to becoming like jumping back into being a, a sorcerer. Uh, gotcha. But you see him in a flashback and he kind of still looks like like he's like twenty six when he's supposed to be like sixteen. So I think he's just somebody <laughs> who was always meant to look like he was a middle aged salary man. I think that's just his destiny in life. Okay. So we got uh, a serious answer there and a, and, a, and a funny answer there. So, uh, Question three. There is a rapper I'm a casual fan of named Westside Gun. He makes really grimy songs about cocaine and gangsta shit, but he also got a penchant for naming songs about wrestling-related topics, somehow linking those wrestling references to cocaine and gangsta shit. Some of his songs include Finn Balor, WrestleMania 20, Mr. Fuji, Bross Face Brippler. Okay. 
and Perfect Plex. If you could name a song after a wrestling reference, what would the reference be, and what would that song be about? Hmm. Eye for an eye match. <laughs> and, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, what is it? Uh, Michinoku Driver? I don't. That is, that's a good name. I don't know if I'd name a song after it, but an album after it would be fucking awesome. I mean, you would almost certainly have to pay royalties in that name because almost certainly, <laughs> almost certainly. But that's a great like that. That's a that, like that's a move that just has a great mouthfeel to it too. Michinoku Driver, yeah. I mean, I think that some of the part of the reason that like you know Japanese wrestling is so appealing to me is because the move names sound cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like uh, there is a move that translates to uh, bull killer, which uh, in in Japanese is Ushigoroshi, which is just like that's so satisfying to say Ushigoroshi. I almost had something for a second there. Uh, I think that Crossface Chicken Wing is, uh, is, is a great song title, too. Uh, because it just it just sounds so silly and ridiculous. Uh, I mean, like it, all the components of it make sense for how for what the move is, uh, whether it's being applied by a pedophile or by uh, Bob Backlund. Um, but uh, it just sounds so strange to say, and it sounds like it's a joke when when it's first said. Um, and honestly, if I had to make a song about that it would probably be about something entirely unrelated to the song, the same way that it, it is basically a move that has nothing to do with what it sounds like. So I feel like you could do a song called schoolboy roll up and sure. it yeah. would, it would that'd be, a, that'd be a nice, like uh, kind of kid friendly rap. Oh, I was going to make it like a party rock song, like an ACDC song, like, uh, or like a 38 special kind of song where like, you're kind of the way the words are being used. You're like, is this about kids fucking? But you're not a hundred percent certain. You know, but there's enough. I'll never tell. Like you're singing this song on stage, and there's you know a few people like, oh, this is nice. Beat. But there's like three or four very concerned people like, it's about children fucking. I'll never tell. And like, Maybe. Everyone's gonna be like, I don't. You really better like clarify that like right now. I I'm actually, not. I need an answer. I'm not staying here. If the answer is like, yes. The, the question wasn't in my mind, and I was willing to say no. That's ridiculous when he asked it, but that answer really concerns me. This isn't like, oh, can I enjoy Bastille's Pompeii if I don't know whether or not it's actually about two corpses talking to each other? This, I really need to know the answer if I'm going to stay at this performance. <laughs> Oh, oh man. <laughs> uh, last question from Thank You Base James here. Imagine the two of you are the owners of Shueisha Inc. The beliefs and sensibilities of a company's leadership can have a great effect on the direction of the product being produced. As the owners of the company that publishes Jump, what types of authors and series would you try to promote and encourage? From a creative standpoint, would you try to move Shonen Jump in a different direction or would you take a more hands-off approach? Thanks and take care. Thank you, Base James. I feel like it would be very arrogant of me to say, like, well, I know what would make Jump great. Uh, I think taking a hands-off approach would be a great way and just looking for people who seem very passionate about their work. Uh, it would be, I think, good to get some more diversity of voices in there. 
Yes. Um, I think that would be a very important thing going forward. I don't know if they do female editors, but that feels like an important thing, especially if editors get changed around. It would be an important. <laughs> it, it feels like that's a necessary thing. Um, but when it comes to like the certain series in there, I, I mean, I generally like what Jump does a lot of the time. So I don't really know if I'd have too much to say. Um, I guess I would be like, I guess we'll just have to cancel Actage. No one seems to like it. They're like, sorry, <laughs> sir, the numbers are huge. But I'm like, no more. No, no, no. <laughs> it still doesn't have an anime. <laughs> it's just me you've got all the people from your weekly mockery recap days being like chris <laughs> it's just me it's the only generally i'm very hands-off i try to be like almost like a like a like a fey influence in there like all manga is good but the one day they bring actogen i put in like a big cigar and like a fur coat and i'm just like no i don't think we'll be doing actage anymore <laughs> <laughs> just like the ruthless producer i'm like no i don't think we're gonna be airing that one anymore replace it with literally blank pages instead <laughs> um i think that answering this question specifically now was is going to yield a slightly different answer than if we had answered this a year ago because jump is in a tremendous state of flux right now because it's just had four long running series all end in a row very shortly before this there were other series that ended uh, that had been running for a while you know kochikame didn't end all that long ago and it had been running for decades uh, and now, you know, the, the second longest running series in, in the magazine is My Hero Academia. The third longest running is Black Clover. And then everything else beyond that is less than five years old right now. Uh, and like, I think more than half the series running and jump were all started this year. So there's a lot that's changing in it right now. And so I think that, yeah, it, it's not this is not a question that I can take the approach of like, this is what I would do differently because like. Well, I don't think that they necessarily know what they're doing. They are trying to see what series they can find that are going to stick in order to replace all these series that were really successful for them, even though some of them didn't last as long as their huge successes from the past, like Naruto and Bleach. But they were successes for the series, and now they're not running anymore. Demon Slayer set a whole ton of records, and then it was over like three months after it set those records. So what are you going to fucking do? Um, so I think that they are just doing literally all they can right now to just find something to fill the gap. And that's really all you can expect from them right now in terms of a longer term thing. Chris, you alluded to, uh, you know, getting into a, a diversity of voices in the editors and stuff like that. And I definitely think that it speaks to, uh, how little we know about the series, but also, the concern of that, that we don't really know uh, enough about the editorial staff at uh, Shueisha's offices to know, like, do they have like female editors and stuff? Uh, that's just like a bad look in general, like to just not know that. Um, and I do think that that would, you know, promote a diversity of the manga series that you would see. And, you know, I think that a series like Jump should be focusing on doing that because, yeah, it's a it's a magazine that's targeted at young boys. But it also has a tremendous fan base of all different sorts of readers because it's the most popular magazine in all of manga. Um, and I think that their goal should be to try and find something that appeals to everyone. And in order to do that, you need a variety of creative voices at every step of the procedure to find that weird, huge amount of variety that you would want to have in order to attract as many readers as possible. So. Uh -huh. All right. That's the end of that uh, uh -huh. email. <laughs> 
All right, question here from Bass Forever. In your opinions, what are the biggest gaps in your manga backlog? This could either be the biggest series you think you'd like but haven't read, or a classic you keep meaning to experience and haven't. So I have two for those. I'll say for the latter, uh, I still have not read Dragon Ball, the original Dragon Ball. I've seen a couple episodes of it, but considering how much of that is... Like, a lot of the series you read are, like inspired by that series it feels like that's an important one i really should see saint say is also kind of in that level not quite to the same extent uh but in that same level and then for the former uh yu yu Hakusho, i really i know i would like it i know i would enjoy it i've seen parts of it uh, i see i saw a couple episodes of the anime i know i would dig it but i just never watched it really uh, for some weird reason, as a kid, when it was that and Roni Kenshin on in Toonami, I would always watch Roni Kenshin and my friend Frank, who I've talked about before, would always watch uh, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, and then we'd kind of talk about them to each other about it. But then eventually he just watched both, and I stopped watching either, so I really had less <laughs> to talk about. So, yeah. Uh, I will go along with the sentiment that you had there with a few series. Uh, Saint Say is definitely a huge gap in mine because I've read like none of it. I'm, I'm familiar with almost zero of it. I know what the main character looks like, and that's l- basically literally it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Fist of the North Star or Hokuto no Ken has a big one. Uh, Berserk has a big one. Um, yeah. And uh, Rama One Half. Uh, that's a, a, a series in a different kind of vein, but, uh, you know, similar, but it's so heavily influential and, uh, I have not read that. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is the last one that I have in the questions category. I'm sure that we've been sent okay. other questions, but I'm going to have to actually hunt them down. But, uh, okay. so this comes from Yo-Yo. Hey, Chris and Nick. So I recently caught up with your Q and A stuff. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, uh, <laughs> Go on. One of the questions back then was that, what do you think the D is? Well, phrasing. Uh, I have a theory about that, which is okay. the D stands for devil or demon, because the people with the D in their name are the natural enemies of the gods, the celestials, and they're therefore the devil. I'm pretty sure that the celestial dragons consider themselves as the gods and angels and celestials in their name. One piece also has some other Christian references in there regarding the trees, Adam and Eve. And Japan does have tendencies to borrow from Christianity and make God evil. So I'm pretty sure Imsama equals him equals God, not an actual God, but someone who claims to be God. What? One piece would never do that. Uh, and now he, him is used as what uh, Christianity was. Uh, this is just a theory and I'm pretty sure I'm very wrong about it, but I really like theory crafting, especially for one piece. What about you guys? And what do you think of my crackpot theory? And do you like theory crafting and what shows series books? Do you like that? Do that for for you? If you do, uh, or what series slash shows slash books do you like to do theory crafting for? So I, I like your answer. I, I'll be honest. I don't really theory craft long term with one piece. I, I've put out, before my theory that one piece is the location of the lost kingdom and and things like that before uh but i'll be honest i I, i've kind of stopped theory crafting for a lot of series especially if it's something that isn't like i don't know here's who i think the straw hats will fight in this upcoming arc like that's kind of the closest i've gotten 
uh, I just kind of want to enjoy and see where it is. I, I, I could sit here and maybe try to figure things out or I could watch other people theorize for it. But I kind of have found more enjoyment not being a part of that and just experiencing it. Uh, I mentioned before, my, my one of the best decisions I ever made was to stop following the uh, Marvel Studios subreddit and to just watch the Marvel movies. It made me enjoy them so much more after I stopped doing that. So I, I've kind of taken a lot of that philosophy to manga as well. I definitely do remember doing this kind of stuff more when I was younger, uh-huh. uh, you know, like uh, coming up with like what's going to happen in the next Harry Potter book, especially, you know, in between like books six and seven when the series was going to end. Uh, I did it a little bit with Star Wars when the prequels were coming out, uh, you know, thinking about stuff that was going to happen uh, in there. Um, and in terms of manga and anime, uh, I did it a bit with uh, Bleach and to a lesser extent, Naruto, because I was a bigger uh, I was a bigger fan of Bleach than I was uh, Naruto, especially when I was a teenager. Um, and Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender, I did a lot of that because there was quite a big gap between books two and three, at least in comparison to the gap between books one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to like go on forever. And I was such a huge fan of the series that, you know, like I joined a, I joined a forum uh, and talked about it with people. Uh I argued with shippers that Zutara was, was not going to happen because they were clearly wrong. Uh, but looking back, even though I was right, I, it was still just as pathetic a stance to take so passionately as I did. <laughs> but um, nowadays, yeah, I don't do it as much. I mean, I am aware of certain fan theories and I do think that some are interesting. And I do think that there is definitely you know, there's some enjoyment to be found in like, you know, analyzing certain theories and thinking about certain stuff. I do, you know, occasionally bring up like, hey, is Dobby freaking Endeavor's son? It seems definitely like there's a lot of foreshadowing heading in that fucking direction because now there's a whole thing revolving around what his true identity is. And they mentioned who Endeavor's son was and oh, his son died? Question mark. But oh, there's this guy with flame parts. There's just a lot of things like that. And I'm a really big fan of My Hero Academia. But... I only really talk about that like when it's relevant to talk about on the podcast or when, like when I'm sitting on the couch watching the show with uh, with Nicole. I don't go out and like, you know, actually think about it or spend time by myself thinking about it. I don't I mean, we occasionally will reference like, hey, remember that whole traitor to, you know, UA thing? Remember how that pop line just got dropped? You know, occasionally I'll joke like, oh, th- that person's the traitor, you know, but it's like, well, I don't care anymore. I just kind of. Let stuff unfold and wait for it to happen. I do pay attention to stuff that goes on. And it is cool to see if something seems to be heading in a direction, if you see it coming. And then you kind of get that little bit of satisfaction when it does happen. But I think a big part of why I don't really do it anymore is because I spread myself out and focus on other series instead of focusing on one. Because if you have only one series that you're really focusing on, then you're putting a lot more energy into just that. And so you kind of have to come up with more ways to keep your uh yourself entertained uh and one of them is doing you know this theory crafting as you uh, as you put it and if you're focusing on, on the goings on in a bunch of other series then you have fewer moments of stuff where there's not a lot going on and also there's just more things in general to occupy your attention uh that's not necessarily i'm not saying that's a better way of doing it if you get a lot of enjoyment from focusing on one series more than the others and it's, you know, fun for you to do that, then yeah, sure. Go right ahead and do it. I definitely had a lot of fun doing it, but that's just, I think generally why I don't really do it anymore. 
So yeah, I, and I, I will say that if you're somebody who does theory craft and everything like that, I all the power to you. I, this is just a personal thing that I don't particularly find it enjoyable for me anymore, but I know a lot of people do, and I think that's great. So I would say enjoy the series the way you would like to. Yes. Okay, now I have to go diving into the inbox to find right. the next one. So uh, let's see. All right. <laughs> I might want to need to do a few. Uh, yeah, these, yeah. We, we got uh, some here. Questions. So I got a question here from Jay Flugel. Uh, <laughs> greetings, Chris. Saved by Anna's medicine. Hooray! And Nick, surely in the name of some other irrelevant Promise Neverland background kid. Uh, <laughs> first question. And the reason I'm laughing is because I saw this question when it was quote unquote in a beta. And now I kind of see what they were going for, but it was before it was like Chainsaw Man is very ruthless, blah, blah, blah. How would other worlds, blah, 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 you get the gist? <laughs> and I just never read it and be like, what? What? Uh, so the first question is as you know, the wonderful world of Chainsaw Man is very ruthless, but also mostly operates in a more grounded power level compared to most of the other battle manga you guys cover. Now, if Denji were to swap worlds with other protagonists, how well would they do in each other's worlds? They would keep their powers, but those would have to adapt to the rules of the world. Like in One Piece's world, Denji could not swim. And of course, that world's mm. scale of morale, mortality, and cartoonishness would also apply to them. P.S. Only battle manga. Okay, I mean, Denji would have the advantage, at least, of having his regenerative powers. So mm -hmm. he would be hard to keep down in a lot of series, I guess. Um, Luffy, I get the impression, would not do well in no, Chainsaw Man's he, world. He would get fucked up in almost every other series, because the I've always brought up... One Piece world is very kind that no one ever just stabs Luffy in his arm and just drags it all the way down his like it's it's he, he creates a lot of vulnerabilities in him. Yeah, and it's, I imagine that fighting other devils would circumvent the natural immunity that he has to a lot of uh, damage types with uh -huh. his rubber body. So I think that he would get generally kind of fucked up in Chainsaw Man's world just because of how fucking atrociously ruthless the world is to everyone in it. Yeah. Um, Denji in the One Piece world, I mean, he'd do fine, you know, just because a lot of people do fine in the One Piece world when they've got much stupider powers. Yeah. So, I, the ability I, to turn into chainsaws, that's on brand enough. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Uh, Naruto would probably do a lot better than Luffy in uh, just because he's just so powerful now. Like he, he, if he got caught off guard, then he definitely could buy a lot of stuff. He would get fucked up. But I mean, like he's got QB sage mode bullshit power now. So he would fare a lot better. Denji in Naruto world, which has a power scale. That's a lot stronger. He probably wouldn't do quite as well. He would, again, be really hard to keep down because he could just keep regenerating and stuff like that. But um, Shikamaru has demonstrated that you can kill an immortal person. So he would probably get taken out by someone eventually who would just keep him from pulling his ripcord. So uh, what others do we want? Uh, Black Clover. Um, I think generally Asta would do because you're you're working in the logic that Asta's sword could negate people turning into devils. True, yeah, and that'd be a big thing. And also, like he actively like works out and exercises and stuff a lot. So I think that that actually fits in with the kind of stuff that happens in Chainsaw Man, where people have to just you know 
train like regular people in order to get better, mm-hmm. generally speaking, unless they just, you know, bullshit their way into making a new contract. So, yeah, yeah. So it's key too, so we'd be able to predict people's abilities. And yeah, like that'd that. be very helpful. Yeah. Uh, Actage. I mean, I don't know how great it. Uh, to, <laughs> it's he said all he said only battle manga. But this is a type of battle, Chris. Oh, shit, you're right. Go speech. for it then. <laughs> Kay would do great. I mean, she's. I mean, have you seen her? She's. She would give Makima a run for her money. She is fucking ruthless and psychopathic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do we want to do any more? Uh, no, I, I think we, we 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 covered most of the ones in there. Cool. Uh, all right, I, I found a new uh, email with questions in it. So. Okay. <laughs> um. Wait, hang on. <laughs> uh, this might actually be a question. <laughs> just so there is a question about uh, conditions on uh on Patreon and stuff like that, but that's, you know, from like a year ago. And then it says also read Chainsaw Man Cowards. Never. So I guess I do have to keep wait, wait. Questions from Fezzetail again. Ha okay. <laughs> Dear Nick, uh lives in a state where nearly a fifth of the population speaks Spanish but has no idea how to pronounce bat in Spanish Friedman. That's not my fucking name, so fuck you, Fezzetail. <laughs> Ouch. And Chris actually has Spanish heritage, but also doesn't know how to say it, Larios. No, nope. <laughs> you know that. All, all in good fun, guys. But seriously, it's pronounced more like Morcilago. Okay, if you say so. It was not a ver- it was not a vocabulary word that came up in any of my classes. So that's what that's what that's what you get when uh, they're trying to teach you how to do imperfect in, in, uh, 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 mm-hmm. tenses of verbs instead of more nouns. Got it. Nailed it. Don't let anyone tell you differently, Nick. Steamroll over them if they say, start saying you're wrong. Well, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm. I mean, I. I you are. I believe you. But that is why. No, no, they're wrong. I'm going to tell you how to do this, Dick. You just say they're wrong and you keep going. You don't look. Lots of people are saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong, but a lot of people are saying Mm. they are wrong. Mm -hmm. So I anyway, uh, the first question is more of a challenge, I guess. Rate your regular manga from least to most pervy. Hmm. Okay, let's 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 get the list up, I guess. So least pervy. So we've got my hero, we've got Actage, we've got uh Chainsaw Man, uh we've got Eden's Zero. Okay, well Eden Zero is number one on the most pervy. One hundred percent the most pervy. Chainsaw Man is definitely up there because I mean it's it's it, it says a lot of naked women. <laughs> I would love to say Dr. Stone isn't pervy, but it is <laughs> It's <laughs> like Boichi draws it. So it, it is by that nature. Um. All right. No, uh, I would say the least pervy series so far is Mashal. It's by family. Oh, yes. Yeah, by family. Well, I maybe not. Uh, they, there is there's well, a there's a little bit there with your not a ton okay, okay. but there's for, a for little the, bit based purely on the fact that there has been no hint of sexuality existing in the world of Mashal. <laughs> yeah the- also uh magu chan magu chan well uh, maybe magu chan actually might be the number one 
it's it's more pure than Mashal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, because 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 Doubt likes girls. Yeah. Well, no, wait. Ren likes a girl. Damn it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> he likes a girl in the way that a middle schooler likes a girl, as opposed to Doubt, who is is older and gets nosebleeds and is a weirdo about it. So yeah. okay. Uh, so Mashal is Mashal is more is pervier than Magushan, which is at the bottom, and then Spy Family, just because adult women exist. Um, <laughs> I want to say Actage after that because I don't think that there's one that's in between those two. And there is a and uh, there is Boruto a, might. I, I think Boruto might fall a little bit in there. I think you're right. Yeah. So we'll put Boruto, which does have Serata's stupid heel shoe things, but that's that's pretty, pretty much it. So, yeah. um. Am I missing anything uh, between that? I, I think that my hero comes after that. And it, that's a big jump up from actors yeah. to my hero. Because, you know, there's women in form-fitting outfits. There's all the recurring jokes about Midnight and Mount Lady. There's That's going straight from, like, you know, some occasional sexuality to well, we're making deliberate. I, like, I would say before that jump, then Time Paradox Ghost Rider. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I am kind of like I, I do keep neglecting um, newer stuff yeah. as we're going. Through this you're right. Uh, Time Paradox Ghost Rider, then my hero. That's probably One Piece. One Piece is horrendous. Yeah, yeah. It comes uh, and goes, but then I would say <sighs> it's probably Black Clover. Well, yeah, actually, it's probably Dr. Stone, because I'll be honest, Dr. Stone, I think, might even need to be lower, because while Boichi is perverted, Inagaki isn't. Yeah, he just kind of, like, leaves openings for Boichi. He's kind of like, do what you want, man. I don't care how big you make their tits. Go for it. So it's either Dr. Stone, One Piece, or One Piece, Dr. Stone. I, I, I would say probably Dr. Stone, then One Piece. Uh, from least pervy to most pervy. Yeah, like One Piece okay. is a little more pervy than that. So, Time Paradox Ghost Rider, then then My Hero, then Doctor Stone, then One Piece. Yeah, and then uh, Black guess. Clover. Black Clover at times feels like it doesn't have it at all, and then there's a couple chap. Then then you remember like the three girls had that giant bath scene, and you're like, oh yeah. Sometimes it is in that series, so I'll, I'll put that there. Uh, then we've got to. Eden Zero we know is the perviest. Yeah. So it's it's down it's, to well, Bone Collector yeah. or Chainsaw Man. It's probably Bone Collection and then Chainsaw Man. But Chainsaw Man's perviness is more tasteful, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, and I also think it fits more in line with the tone of the series of just being like more not more adult but more m-rated yeah i think in general whereas bone collection it's like you're it very much is like Bup, boobs for, yeah yeah so um all right so i think that that i think that that and then not, and then um, we never and then we never learn down beneath well it's just it, it goes beneath eden zero it's the previous series and jump but eden zero yeah. far surpasses it it is it is definitely and it has the most straight up like Girls are undressing. Mm-hmm. Girls uh, are uh, bathing. Uh, girls are at the beach. Just scenarios made specifically for girls to be in states of undress. I will. So. I will clarify my point. It is the pervious series we read. Akiyashi tri- or Ayakashi Triangle would one hundred percent be number one. Absolutely. Otherwise, 
Yes. And if we were doing this sometime in the future when all those other series failed and Ayakash Triangle is still going <laughs> for the very same reason, it would be above the other Chump series. Uh, OK, so that leaves our, our rankings for series that we read right now to from least to most for Magu-chan, Mashal, Spy Family, Boruto, Actage, Time Paradox, Ghost Rider, My Hero Academia, Dr. Stone, One Piece, Black Clover, Bone Collection, Chainsaw Man. We never learned Ian Zero. That definitely seems like a constant like slope to me yeah. so all right i'm actually very proud of how we managed yeah, to we lay that it. out uh there is another question here from pheasant tail okay uh, while thinking about bands that could be potential stand names i thought of smash mouth which was very uh and i i just kind of assume the idea of a stand that punches the opponent in the kisser over and over again <laughs> Oh, I was very amused the idea of a stand that just punches the opponent in the kisser over and over again. What other bands, songs, albums can you think of either that have or haven't already been used in JoJo that would be hilarious if the stand power were just a very literal embodiment of the name? Uh, hmm. Because I've been thinking of interesting ones that haven't been. Iron Maiden is a great one. But I guess if you just take it literally, an Iron Maiden falls in the sky and crushes you, which is kind of cool, I guess. It's probably not going to surprise a lot of people. They're pretty heavy, so I feel like that'd make the noise. Um, surely Five Finger Death Punch has been done in, in JoJo, right? No. Surely. No? Yes. No, I don't think it's, they've done a Five Finger Death Punch. I, I don't think... It's like, put me in JoJo, coach. <laughs> I'm pretty sure any relatively recent rock bands are not in jojo i I think it pretty much stops around the 90s when it comes to rock bands what if it were hoobastank and it's just like a giant question mark (laughs) oh yeah chumbawamba they're just like "Uh, what's gonna what's gonna happen i don't know you're gonna get knocked down but you're gonna get up again (laughs) ain't never gonna keep you down (laughs) you get a whiskey drink you get a lager drink (laughs) so stupid <laughs> um right. what if it's, what if it were the offspring and it's just like it's just your kid <laughs> yeah it's like dad take me home like, oh shit i have a lot of responsibilities now and then jo- joseph joestar runs off abandoning his child for six- oh <laughs> for 16 years <laughs> all right uh, okay. I, so I actually forgot a second part of Jay Flugel's question, so I'm going to do that one real quick. How would you rank and compare the infamously disappointing final arcs of Bleach, Food Wars, and the Promised Neverland with each other? Bleach versus Food Wars versus Promised Neverland. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of just final arcs in general. <sighs> Promised Neverland is the least memorable. It like, absolutely is. It's, it's, it's the shortest, but it's yeah. also the one I'm going to forget the most about 10 years from now. I would say that Bleach's is better than Food Wars mm. because it starts off much better. Yeah. It's uh, the first year ish of the thousand year blood war arc is actually good uh, in in retrospect, whereas Food Wars, it was like, well, this could be interesting. And then it went off a cliff immediately. Uh, so there is less good to be found in it. Yeah. Bleach, I think, was. And also Bleach was less of a big letdown because I had already been disappointed in it for so long by that point. Yeah. So I guess the question then is, what is worse? The the kind of badness of Food Wars versus the 
the kind of nothingness that was the promised Neverland. And I think that kind of comes down to what you find worse. And I, I generally always go on the scale that I think something that's boring is worse than something that's just not good. So I, I'd probably say, I'd probably rank it like Bleach, Food Wars, Promised Neverland. Yeah, there you go. All right, and then uh, to actually do a question, we have uh, Jelly Elfson here with, do you still buy actual books, manga, or otherwise, or is it all digital now? I do occasionally buy books. Uh, I definitely read a lot more stuff online now than I read print. Um, but there are, and when I buy manga, it is because like I know the series and I know I I really like it and I want to support it and I want to have it on a goddamn bookshelf. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's you know what I did with like Astra. Uh, I was collecting World Trigger volumes for a little bit. Uh, I got the two My Hero Academia volumes that cover the best part of the series, which is uh, where Jiro gets to do stuff. Um, so, you know, that that kind of thing. Uh, the only other books that I tend to get do tend to be stuff that I get like on Kindle. If I just, you know, want to have like a series, a book that I'm interested in reading and I want to check out is like, OK, I'll just, you know, get this on this thing instead of just ordering it, waiting for it to show up. When I get a physical book, it is something that I literally want to have a physical copy of for a specific reason, as opposed to I want to read this. So, yeah, uh, I will say when it comes to manga, I don't purchase physical volumes anymore. Uh, it's actually been something that I've I've spent a very long time getting rid of physical volumes. So I, I've curbed a lot of them. Like I've given away my entire One Piece collection at this point. Um now and and when it comes to actual books i'm uh, very sad to say that i have not read a book since the last game of thrones series book uh so it's been a while uh the one exception i'll say is i've been doing a lot of dming and uh, i dm for two different groups all of those books i buy physical because i don't like pdfs i don't like trying to go through a pdf to f- or using a laptop or DD beyond when it comes to looking for things i like to physically look through the books so i i do have those and i do keep and purchase those i'm part of that's working at a game store so it's very imperative that we 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 push that but it is a level of just like i prefer the physical books over digital when it comes to like DD stuff or any tabletop stuff yeah all right. Uh, well, Chris, I have some good news. Um, I have been looking through months and months of emails, and I don't think that it, within the span that I've looked over so far, there have been questions. So we're actually very close to having caught up. All right. There we go. We got actually we actually have quite a few here in the 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 uh, doc. So we'll, we'll see how many we can these run through before we finish up here. Uh, question here from Squirrel Dude. What lessons should Shonen Manga take from wrestling? And what lessons should wrestling take from manga? Uh, wrestling can learn to trust in one creative writer and not get impatient with them and fire them and have someone else take over for them. Uh, that is also something that Western comics can learn from and a lot of other media. Obviously, that carries the problem of if a writer turns out to run out of ideas, then you're just stuck with them. But uh, that is definitely something that there can be uh, you can learn from. I think a lot of manga can learn from wrestling in terms of the idea of 
uh, rubber matches, like have one person win a fight and another person win the other fight. And then so they, they, they fight again and then you can find out if they're going to be able to do it. You don't necessarily have to do things in that order, but, you know, have a series of fights between people in order to actually build the rivalry between them instead of just having like they show up for one fight and one person wins and then the other person is never seen from again. It's a way to keep, you know, two characters relevant yeah. um, and instead of just like, well, that character got defeated and I have nothing more for them to do. So. Uh, so a lesson that wrestling could take from manga would be to. Uh, kind of. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my two AEW focused actually. So I'm okay. gonna say here's what wrestling or here's what manga could learn from AEW and uh, keep everyone looking good. Uh, I will say that's one of my favorite things about AEW is that uh, pretty much everybody gets wins every so often. So everybody seems like a threat. Uh, my favorite tag team currently in AEW right now is the Butcher and the Blade, and they are jobbers. They are a hundred percent jobbers. Are, yeah. But they, every time they show up, they feel like a threat because they sometimes get really big wins. So the ability to keep this group a threat by periodically letting them look good is a very big lesson I feel like uh, manga should take. Now, in the inverse, what lessons should AEW learn from manga? Um, sometimes just don't give up on stuff. Uh, so I, I want a very specific example here. Uh, I hate the Dark Order. The Dark Order's bad. It's a bad group. It's a bad gimmick. And every step of the process has been bad. It really needs to end. It needs to. But they are committed to it, and I appreciate that. That same level of, uh, like, commitment was not given to the Nightmare Collective, which was a very, uh, reviled group that I thought actually had a good amount of potential. And, uh, eventually the wrestler Awesome Kong, who was kind of like the physical force of that team i believe she wanted to start a family or she left to go have a kid or something something she left to like sort of go off active performance and they were like well nobody likes this group so we're just gonna get rid of them and i feel like that was a big mistake that's where you show i i, I understand at that point their roster was just brandy rhodes who isn't who was kind of more of a mouthpiece than like a active performer right. dr luther who many u.s uh, wrestling fans didn't really know and then the other girl whose name i've kind of forgotten because she wasn't really even used when she was there uh that's the moment you reveal the real six funeral wreaths aw <laughs> and you just put people in it i don't like it felt like you could have done more for that group but chris we're, we're not going to have another opportunity for those women to form a team yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> There's no storyline reason to stick with this group now. Jeez. <laughs> what timing. Uh, all right. I'm not against the idea of doing a women's tag team tournament in AEW. That sounds like a great yeah. idea to introduce a lot of women in your very, like, in the division that's really had not a lot of attention placed on it. I can think of, like, five women in AEW. Uh, so... Yeah, I think it is a great idea to get more more uh, people out there and get them in front of a TV audience and be like, oh, hey, there's there's women in AEW and they're doing women's tag team stuff, which yeah. WWE doesn't seem to want to do because they think that only two or three women can exist at a time. So what do you mean? You don't love the two man power trip storyline brought up again? I, I love Bailey and Sasha, but I don't want them to be the only <laughs> two people allowed to look good. Nick. Uh, if you're not a four horsewoman, should you even be in the WWE? Why are you even there? Is the question we have to ask. 
And that's why Kyrie's going home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question here from Molderman who says uh, Manga Plus offers a lot of great, great weekly manga, such as uh, the very interesting Monster Number Eight, which uh, is hilarious because it's now, now, yeah, now Jump has it, and they're calling it Kaiju Number Eight. Uh, and a Discord's favorite trash fire, dear Sachan, uh, how would you feel about dropping certain series from the normal recap and replace them with some Manga Plus series? Oh, oh, oh can we put, can we drop Mission Yosakura? <laughs> I was gonna say, all right, Molder Man, we shall drop Mission Yosakura family and replace it with Kaiju Number Eight starting next week. Thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> Can we can we drop Bone Collection, Chris? Yeah, we'll drop Bone Collection to replace it with Kaiju Number Eight, Nick. <laughs> We're gonna drop Actage and replace it with Kaiju Number Eight. We're just getting rid of all the ones we series. It's just Kaiju Number Eight. <laughs> we're we're picking one up to drop six. <laughs> oh man, it feels like we really shook things up replacing all these series with one series. <laughs> <laughs> we dropped Black Clover and picked up Kaiju Number Eight. <laughs> what if we do kaiju number eight like four or five times in the episode and each time we talk about it we have gigantically different takes on the same chapter so <laughs> one, on different things. one moment it's like this is a great chapter the next time like i can't stand it why are we talking about this series next time it's like this is pretty good i'm looking forward to where it goes next week sold on it yet but yeah i think it could really be good <laughs> next <laughs> next time <laughs> fuck this it murdered my family <laughs> Uh, alternatively how about using the bonus podcast to check out some of the series so uh these two specific examples uh kaiju number eight that's something we'll be talking about probably behind the scenes see if that is something to to add to the show or to at least talk about to some extent there's a lot of these kind of like side series coming out like uh, i mentioned earlier ghost reaper girl i have been reading ghost reaper girl i don't know if that's something we'd ever add to the recap though because uh we already have a lot of stuff in the recap so it, it might need to be like, hey, when something leaves, we could throw this in or something like that. Um, but at, at, when it comes to Manga Plus, I do check out some things on it. I know I read a little bit of Tis Time for Torture Princess or whatever it is. Um, and there's some good stuff. I just I legitimately don't enjoy reading from the Manga Plus app. I really don't like it's scroll. Annoying, yeah. I just I just don't like up to down reading. I really like the, the left to right or right to left I, rather. I don't like the up and down scrolling and how also uh, certain means of scrolling it doesn't let you do. Mm. So like uh, I think it you can't like I think you can't page down mm. is the thing that about it that annoys me. And that's a big way of how I read uh, vertically uh, formatted online readers like that. Yeah. It's like if, you know, we're, we're going to read like a webtoon or something like that. I want to be able to just, you know, scroll through the whole thing. Uh, as opposed to like, I've got to, you know, either wait for the down arrow to do it or I've got to, you know, use the scroll wheel or I've got to use like, you know, click on the scroll bar and drag it. I, I can't remember yeah. what all uh, it allows, but it doesn't it doesn't include the ones I primarily use. So uh, so I, I, I guess I could say to the idea of using bonus podcasts, it's definitely an idea we can keep in mind yeah. for the future. Uh, I know, or at least I thought, Manga Plus doesn't really keep its series around very long. Like, eventually it, it gets to the point where it's like only the most recent couple of chapters will be available. Yeah, so same as Free Viz, basically. Yeah. So it, it might be a little difficult there, but I'm sure we could find some way. Yeah. Or, you know, we could pick up a series and, you know, keep reading it. Yeah. There, I mean, that's how we picked up Spy Family. So it, it, the president yeah. has been set that something like that. 
I, I would say the chances of us talking about monster number eight or kaiju number eight are certainly more likely now that it's in jump uh where we're just going to be checking like it's already going to be on the magazine anyway so now if you're going to say like well do you want to pick up this country real series fuck you uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't want the one we have it's it's not i mean if there are our crunchy roll series or, or series rather that are only available through Crunchyroll and you like them, that's not an insult on your taste. It is an insult on the formatting issues that Crunchyroll has constantly. Mm. And they keep on they're increasing in number, Chris. <laughs> it was it was supposed to work until December. What happened? <laughs> you lied to me. Uh, uh, the last question email that I've got here uh, was sent today. So <laughs> I think that that's it. I think we're finally caught up on Q&A emails because it's just kind of easier to track them on the Google Doc, I think. Um, I think that this is the most the only one in between the one that I've read, like from a year before it. Uh, but this comes from Creator Prime uh, or it's that Supernova, I think, isn't it? Uh, no, Creator I, Prime. Yeah, Creator Primes. Uh, it is just Creator Prime. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this question is. How do you pronounce well, this word? P-R-O-D-I-G-I-O-U-S. Oh, I know. I saw this one when it came in. They're asking how to pronounce the, the podcast. Podigious is the term. Like how Izzy in the uh, English dub said, oh, prodigious or whatever. Yes. Uh, Jeff named his podcast Podigious. Podigious. Yes. So, it's a pun. Yes. Yep. So you can find it if you search for it. I also linked it in the chat a little bit earlier. And if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, just go search Poddigis. It sounds pretty much how it's uh, it's spelled pretty much how it sounds. So uh, P-O-D-I-G-I-O-U-S. Yes. And I'm on episode three if you're specifically looking for that. But I would highly, highly recommend you go listen to all of them and all of Jeff's stuff. Check out uh, Love It or Weep It. That's another one great show he's, uh, he's he's been doing for a while now. And if you're looking for that podcast, don't stop typing after you type in POD. Otherwise, you're going to be transported to early 2000s uh, new metal. So, yeah. And which I mean, if that's your scene, that's cool. But just just be aware where you're getting into. Yeah. I mean, I understand. We are the youth of a nation. We Um, are. We are. But booyaka booyaka 619. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a weird. Is it that particular time in WWE when they were like, yeah, we're actually going to get real bands to make the music for a few guys. Is that the worst themes, like big theme song in WWE? I can't. It's the it's never exciting to hear. Define define big. Like so uh, someone who could be in the main event title scene. That is it shocking or feel like a stretch. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, I mean, even. I think even like when the Miz is getting like an, an a main event run, it's like uh, his theme fits him. So yeah, I, and I do actually legit like that song uh, to an extent. Um, I don't like the current version of Dolph Ziggler's theme. Okay, I really don't like Show the World. I liked it a lot better when he when it was I Am Perfection, and then they were like, we don't want him associated with Mister Perfect. What you mean the guy that he is very much like? <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, beyond that, uh, I still don't like Drew McIntyre's all saxophones theme. It sounds like a theme that's meant to get under your nerves, and yeah. now he's a big baby face. Yeah, uh, that that that's actually probably the worst one. It's not particularly, and it doesn't have like a, it doesn't have like the stone cold like glass shatter or 
you know, like just that instantaneous like couple notes that like, oh, this is who's coming. I'm so excited. It just sounds annoying, as you said. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, if he's going to be your big guy, then can you just get him like give him the big deal treatment with the with the entrance and stuff now? That'd be nice. You know, so and, you know, like. Brock Lesnar's theme was already just kind of like it, it sounded good enough already. Yeah. Uh, so don't, you don't mind that, but you know, Batista didn't always used to come out to, yeah, <laughs> I walk a miles into this pit of danger. You know, they had to actually make that song. for him. <laughs> And I think he won the world title before he even got it. Probably. So, uh, I think so that there's, still time for Drew. there's still time for Drew. There's still yeah. time for them to just realize, you know what? Broken Dreams is a better song. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, couple questions here from Loom Ranmayasha. Hey there, Nicket of Time and Roggin Rolla T. There are some nice. questions I haphazardly thought of and figured would make for some fun answers. So, first question What Pokemon would have made a better Digimon and vice versa? Ooh. So, I. Interesting. I, I know the answer for Pokemon. And it's Solgaleo from Sun and Moon. Every time I see that Pokemon, I always just assume it's like a a, a Leomon evolution, like a cool big Leomon evolution. Mm. Uh, for Digimon, I I'm tempted to say Pumpkinmon. I can the, see uh, that the one that's you know like it's he's got the jack o lantern head and like then the like sewn together doll body the axe sticking out of the pumpkin like that's just got such a degree of like weirdness to it but it would still fit into like the pokemon world mm-hmm. the only problem is that it's a little bit too uh, evocative of violence i think for the cutesy side of it but even so he's kind of a weird cutesy creepy kind of kind of thing yeah I'm sure Ga- I could think of a better example, but that's that's my, my first instinct. What's so. uh, what's uh, Gatsumon? Are those the rock people that was with Pumpkinmon? Ah, that he, I think you're right. Uh, Go- Gotsumon, yeah, G O T S U. I could see that yeah. being a Pokemon. I I feel like yeah, that that'd be like the Geo Dude of a region. Yeah, and or Geo Dudes mixed with Machop, kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, I could also see Edamon. As like, um, <laughs> yeah, like just like like how there's sort of those weird, big, stupid Pokemon every so often that doesn't have an evolution, doesn't evolve from anything. I could see something like that. Uh, yeah, that's about the best example. That's the only examples really I can think of in that regard for a Pokemon that goes to a Digimon. Uh. Well, I think the big eyes are a big thing because a lot of Digimon have the big anime eyes. Um, honestly, I could I could actually see like a Bulbasaur as being an in-training form uh, for a Digimon pretty yeah. easily. I could I could see that. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying. I, honestly, what I'm looking at now is uh, legendary Pokemon, because that's yeah, that's where a lot of the crossover is going to come. Um Oh God, Reshiram, and honestly, both of the dragons from uh, Black and White yeah. kind of have that Digimon look. Uh, almost all of the legendary dragons of Gen Four onwards kind of have that, where there's a lot of like big design choices to them. Some of the uh, Golem legendaries uh, would probably do it. Like I, I could definitely see like Registeel being a Digimon. Okay, yeah, I could see that. 
even though it defies the the one that I mentioned of big googly eyes. <laughs> but <laughs> I always forget that there is uh... Nick. I want you to search up the Pokemon Calyrex. C A L Y R E X. C A L Y R E X. And I don't want you to tell me if you think it's a Digimon. I just want you to laugh when you see it. Um. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> this is my brain. I, I stopped to remember. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of like a deer Pokemon. No way. It only has two legs. <laughs> Like, I know the idea is that it's psychic, so it's got a big brain, and it's grass, so it's also a flower bulb, but that looks so fucking stupid. He looks so serious. (laughs) This is my sleep paralysis. Its ability is unnerved. That's appropriate. That's that's what my sleep paralysis demon is going to be. It's just him floating over my bed, just being like, you want something, bitch? (laughs) You want to mess with me? I want this dude to show up like you're in a lab and it's like there's labs between evil things. Oh my god, Calyrex is broken out and he smashes through a door and he's just like, humanity must fall. <laughs> and you're just sitting there, you're like, why are his legs so big? <laughs> why are his legs so long? <laughs> like he's announcing all of his evil plans and you're just not listening to him even though he's like psychically speaking directly into your brain. He's like, man, that thing looks fucking weird. <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Is he supposed to be like a deer or something? What's with the face? <laughs> why, did, why are his legs so long when he has little tiny baby arms? Shut up, man. He's going to fucking get... Yeah, he does have baby arms. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, sorry. Question two here from uh, Lou Marmayasha. If you were to get the Russo brothers to direct a live action adaptation of any manga, what would it be? So the, the, the directors behind Infinity War and Endgame and the latter two Captain America movies. Also. World Trigger. Yeah, that's that's actually probably the right answer. Uh, you know, tactical, uh, r- relatable characters, a lot of downtime. Um, you know, you can do some jokes here and there, of course. And, uh, you know, the battles would be, you know, impressive because they there would be more emphasis on their tactics and how things flow together. So. Yeah, I like that answer. Uh, question three on the flip: What American TV show would you like to see reimagined as a manga by a particular artist? Personally, I've been watching a lot of Twelve Ounce Mouse lately because of this new season, and I think it'd be really fun to see Naoki Urasawa's take on it, since it's for similar uh, since it's similar to the kind of surreal memory questing thrillers that he likes to write. TV show, it's a manga. <laughs> Zoom tight. Thank you. Hmm. Um, uh, American TV show reimagined. I feel like we may have answered something similar to this at one point before. And I'm trying to think of something relatively recent that I'd be like, oh, I'd be kind of curious to see this. Um, I mean, it's not. All right. Ignoring the idea that American TV series might also already be based off of something. Right, because that's a lot of American television, unfortunately. Recently, uh, I will say I would be very interested to see The Witcher 
like just mm. based off that uh and i'm trying to think who would be really really fun to have it and i'm trying to think of like a mangaka who maybe almost like uh like an inagaki someone who knows how to have kind now that's a little too silly Maybe like a Fujimoto then. Maybe maybe something like that where you can have fun with it. You know how to have like goofy characters involved and levity and some romance, but you you're also going to be able to gore. Kind of, yeah, there's going to be some 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 blood and, and and all sorts of zany stuff like that. I'm also trying to think of shows that I've watched recently. Like I watched Umbrella Academy recently, but that's already a comic book anyway. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like there's so much yeah. of everything is based off of something initially. Yeah. I'm currently watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but oh, it's I, so good. It is very good, and and also like finally we found a series on Netflix that we don't just you know Netflix. It's it's like hey, let's watch an episode or two of this, and it's like it's it's it stay and it stays fresh and stuff. Yeah, so it's it's very good though. Uh, yeah, um, but I would not want to see a manga based on that because uh, it just wouldn't work as well. I don't think. Yeah. The timing is so good in that show. So I was going to say, I was trying to think of someone who I'd like to see do Shit's Creek. And then I was like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's a really good comedy that I don't know if you can completely translate it the same way. Yeah. Into a manga form. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, try- I'm like, I'm trying to think more of like drama sh- type shows that I've watched recently. But the show that I watch the most nowadays is Deep Space Nine. And I think that there are some man- uh, manga that could probably make a good adaptation of that. Uh, there's enough serious stuff that's going on, but there's also some real weirdness, of course, that happens in it because it's a sci-fi series. But <laughs> for lack of a better term that immediately springs to mind, it might also be a bit too Star Trek to do manga uh, uh. form of. Because, you know, a lot of the approaches it takes to stuff are very, you know, like the form of sci-fi that it is. Um, some of the, you know, more plot element stuff could definitely fit into like a manga in terms of like, you know, personal dramas between characters, the grudges they have um, and, you know, character development and stuff like that. But all the philosophical questions that they get asked in terms of like, you know, uh, war and trust and and even, you know, the lighter elements of like uh the Ferengi stuff, they're all addressed in a very Star Trek way. Yeah. And I don't know if a, if a, it would fit really into a lot of manga. So uh, I've got two more questions here from Bloom Marmayasha then. So let's try all to right. wrap these up and then I yeah, think we might call it. it. Yeah. Uh, question four on the subject of Adult Swim shows. I found myself rewatching a lot of their stuff recently, like Harvey Bourbon and the Brack Show, in addition to checking out their new shows like Three Busy Debras and Beef House. What are some of your favorite Adult Swim shows? Uh, I've, I love what parts of Venture Brothers I've seen, but I think that I've only seen like two or three seasons of it. Uh, Samurai Jack counts. Uh, the last season of Samurai Jack was very good. Um, and, uh, I feel like, well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I guess, I guess I'll keep away from like the Adult Swim anime. Uh, you know, no, I think that's that's fine. Look, I'm probably going to be talking a lot more about their comedy stuff. So if you want to go for the other side of it, I think that's a good way to approach it. Uh, I mean, I loved uh, Samurai Shampoo whenever it was on yeah. uh, the Boondocks. Love mm. the Boondocks cartoon show. So it's a uh, little bit of an in between there. <laughs> so I loved. Uh, I, d- I definitely loved Harvey Birdman and the Brack Show. Those were great early editions. C Lab 2021 is fantastic. 
Aqua Teen Hunger Force was great. It's uh, I think that might still be airing in some incarnation, honestly. Right. I know I saw Carl give a 2020 graduate commencement speech, <laughs> which was fucking surreal. So it might still be going on. Uh, Frisky Dingo is one of the best shows. If you like Archer at all, you owe it to yourself to watch Frisky Dingo and be very disappointed like the rest of us that it ends on a big cliffhanger in season two because <laughs> it got canceled. But that show, I still quote what, to this day. What, an adult day, swim show got canceled before it should have? <laughs> How could this have happened? I will quote Frisky Dingo. I quoted it, I believe, in the most recent season of Dice Funk at some point. So okay. it's in there. Um, there's like Home Movies was decent. Um... Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse is great. There's a huge, there are huge stretches of that show that I have not seen, but it, almost every single episode I've seen, I, I liked. So, I'm trying to think of all the shows that they ever had on there, and to make sure I'm not missing anything like super major. Do my dad rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, Metalocalypse is a great one. Ugh, Xavier, Renegade Angel. I had someone made me watch like a couple episodes of that and i was like no this is bad space goes coast to coast was really good um <laughs> assy mcgee technically that was a thing some some of the sketches on robot Ch- uh, on robot chicken are very funny uh mm-hmm. but because of its nature it can be hit and miss especially yeah. in more recent seasons i find so yeah it definitely had some of those uh i think those are most like the really big ones. squid billies i know a lot of people really dug i i never was a super big fan of it mm. but it was de- yeah it's moments so yeah i think uh, i think that basically covers that yeah. And then the last one, if you were to replace the protagonist of all the series in the recap with characters from Adult Swim <laughs> oh, shows, no. who would it be and why? For example, I would replace Asta with Brack because he's also naive, an optimistic <laughs> do-gooder who loves friendship and never gives on his dreams, except Brack sings more than he screams. <laughs> you might have honestly came up with the answer to this. Brack Clover? Oh my god, <laughs> it would be amazing! <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm going to be the wizard king. <laughs> I can <laughs> myself, so I'm going to sing a song about how I'm going to be the wizard king. <laughs> that would be the best fucking series. You just have Noelle show up, and for some reason she's a green mantis, and she's like, shut up, dork star. <laughs> and then a little tiny Yami's just like, now quiet both of you. <laughs> Random celebrity cameos fill out the rest of the cast. <laughs> Never any further addressing to the plot. They just go on adventures from now on. <laughs> this sounds like a perfect fucking series. Yeah, I think that's the only one we really needed. I think the I think you answered your own question with the best example that possibly could have came up. fucking god i'm totally gonna have to remember this the next time we do like a, a, a wmr lives of black clover don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, worry guys i use my black meteor on it <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god oh shit that's great well it's a good it's a good thing we decided to end on that one anyway because yeah. <laughs> i don't know if there's any coming back from it no all right guys thank you for sending in your questions uh, hey, 
the the Google Doc that uh, Ninjaxter guy maintains is a great way of us keeping track of these because it puts them all into one list as uh, opposed to me having to dive through the archives to find uh, people who actually ask questions and potentially missing uh, some of them. Yeah, uh, but you can still send in questions to WeekmongerRecap at Yahoo.com for the next Q and A episode, and if, and uh, use the Google Doc, which can be found on the Discord server, to submit your questions. And also, it's a great way of just you know keeping track of a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that is associated with the podcast, stuff that we've covered, stuff that we're going to cover, recommendations that we've received. Chime in on those. And hey, while you're on the Discord server. Take in the Discord server. People talk about the recommendation we're talking about. They have just general discussions about everything geeky stuff. Uh, there's a role playing sub forum, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just a great way to just occasionally like, hey, what do you think of this? And we're occasionally on the Discord server, and we'll just answer. So, and uh, beyond that, thank you to Infamous Planet for creating the uh, special frame for the visual version of the stream. Uh, to Wizzledale Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz for making the opening theme of Weekly Manga Recap, to all the people who support us on Patreon, and you, the viewer, right now, listening oh. to this. Oh, yes, yeah, excited. You. I was like, me? Oh, never mind. Yeah. I'm one and, of the... and, th- and thank you to you, Chris, who, <gasps> without you, this show would not exist. So, okay. <laughs> but thank you to you. Who also is here sometimes. The unspoken bond between us. You felt, Nick... I am like that floating stupid bulb Pokemon. I thought that I could translate all of my feelings and thoughts to you over the internet, which I assume is its stupid power. (laughs) The internet specifically? (laughs) I want to see... Hold on. What the fuck was that stupid Pokemon's name? (laughs) Oh no, I already dropped it. Calyrex and... uh, Hold on. Calyrex movie. Did this motherfucker show us the bad guy the Pokemon? I want to see this ominous, stupid thing floating down from the sky like foolish mortals. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, it's like Mewtwo again, but lamer. <laughs> but much shittier. Can you imagine if there was the entire plot of Mewtwo's revenge, but with Calyrex instead? It was like, is that a Pokemon? What's wrong with its head? Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll kill you psychically. I'll do it. Like, and do you t- want to capture? Do you want to capture this guy? Not really. He looks lame. I hate this thing. And literally, there's, there's, because every generation, the people are going to come out that are going to be like, hey, Pokemon's designs get bad, and you always come with like, yeah, you know what? Gen One's designs weren't great. There's some really strong ones. I don't think Pokemon's designs are worse. And then you can immediately shut down that argument by showing me this one, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's terrible now. <laughs> Good night, everyone.